Well, Ben, I know it's not ideal, and I do apologize for getting us sidetracked, although I think you'll admit that the adventures and the hoagie more than make up for it. Uh, I'll, I'll admit I was not expecting those adventures, although I did see a hoagie in my near future. Oh, my yeah? Is that said was, so. You went to that tarot card? Uh, it, was on, it was in my palm. It was on my, uh, it was on my, uh, my, my lifelines. Yeah, your subway line. Hoagie, hoagie approaching. I think it might just be a stain of mustard on my palm. Well, either way, we're a little late to try to get to the Cartoni Awards. I think public transit isn't going to do it. You know, I'm tired. I can't really run that much more. I think just for one day, it won't cost that much. Let's just rent a car, get there, come back, uh, and just try and put this whole thing behind us. Yeah, you know, we, we, we have a hard time actually getting to the Cartoni Awards, and you know, it almost seems fated not to do it. I think that we just have to ignore those impulses. We, we, we have to have a can-do attitude here. We absolutely can do it as long as we're willing to put in the effort. And as it so happens... There is a rental place right up the road, so let, I, I'm I'm way on board. Let's go do this. Yeah, sounds good. Let's see. All right, looks like a pretty good spread. Uh, I don't know. You, do you feel like Do you feel like going there in a DeLorean from Back to the Future, uh, the animated series? Um, I don't. I don't trust that there isn't like smallpox hidden in a pocket somewhere in there. Yeah, or we might pick up an al- an almanac that we don't want. I I, I know what you mean. But you know, uh, can do attitude. Nothing says we can do it more than the magic school bus. Although maybe a little overkill for just two people. Probably, probably a little bit much. Although, uh, if you want, maybe not a can do attitude, attitude, but a can d attitude uh, from all the Candy Crush racers from uh, from uh, Wreck It Ralph. Mm, yeah. We got the sugar sugar sparkles. Yeah, yeah, spar- sparkle dragon. I don't know. Yeah. Well, more Did they than ever a... have a crossover with My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Oh, they it, should. It's built for it. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh well, speaking of a candy attitude, how about a canyon arrow attitude? Oh, you found the canyon arrow? Oh, it is glorious. I mean, how could it smells you like not? A steak it's taken up 45. It's taken up half the lot. <laughs> I, th- uh, I think I think we got to go a little bit smaller. This you know, maybe maybe a nice Lightning McQueen from the Cars series. I don't know a single car. That's about it. <laughs> capital C car. Are the other letters in Cars capitalized? Uh maybe they're JoJo's Bizarre Adventure season two, and their name is Cars with a K. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I was maybe more like a like a motorcycle, like a throttles bike here from Biker Mice from Mars. I mean, we, we could, but I, I think we want something for the two of us. I think Speed Buggy would work pretty good if you didn't mind the constant chatter. I I would mind the constant chatter. I could probably tune it out if it was like in another language. So maybe Speed Racer's car would be better. Uh, that could be better. All right. Well, uh, you, you keep browsing. I I, I got to go hit the restroom. I'll be right back. Okay. Ooh. Captain America's Harley. That's probably got some secrets to it. Is that a is that the Batmobile? I mean, hey I have there. no idea who Batman is in real hey life. There. But, hey there. Yeah. Uh, hi, sorry. Hey, good sir. What can Just, I do for you today? Are you trying to find a new vehicle for for uh, for, for for ferrying you from one place to the other? You got to get to the right place. You got to get to the right the right place at the right time. It's pure velocity, and we can get you velocity right here. Just go ahead and step inside Gundam's fort of all these different kind of Gundams. Give you give you the drive of your life. Get 
no need no need to no need for evaluation or consternation or remuneration just get you where you need to go right now how about how about we do it get just sign well, on the bottom line well that sounds great i'm not really the decision kind of guy but i guess i can i can take a look around you're, well, if you, gun- you want so you want your decision being made I, I can make a decision right here for you sir and you know it's gonna be the right decision for you i can give you the shell razor that's right for teenage mutant ninja turtles themselves this is equipped with rocket launchers a garbage ball for fighting off the krang how oh, can i get you this Get a sign on the bottom line. I get get you to it right away, sir. It smells terrible. It smells I was like thinking, turtles. I was thinking of something more, you know, regular and terrestrial. Maybe like oh, if a, you want to get some, some, something something old school. If you maybe, want maybe like a Zoid, like your like your standard Zoid. If you want something old school, you can't get better than just uh. If you if, if you want to go if you want to go the route uh no no diesel no fuel no not even a uh, mm-hmm. fossil fuels of any kind if you want to go prehistoric what we have right here is a Flintstone car that's right turbo power just by your feet alone assuming you got turbo feet <laughs> uh that might be a little too old fashioned maybe something futuristic like uh ooh Planet Express ship we can get you a Planet Express ship right here and in the sidecar we got a warp star used only by a Star Warrior for on the weekends just to ba- battle forces of evil that are conspicuously called enemy. Oh, Kirby's car. Oh, man. Wonder wonder why he had to sell it. Uh, you know, I, I want a car that can really do it all. Do you have a car that can maybe turn from a car into something else? Well, I can get you I can get you what, what I got right here. We got a car that is a, was once formerly a horse with wings on it. We got Swift Wind, and I had taken the liberty of taking out his kidneys and putting hydraulics in and a spoiler on the back. He looks tired. He looks very tired, but he'll, he'll get you where you need to go before returning to Sender. He'll come right back. He's got a GPS tracking device located right in the base of his skull, kind of like Doc Ock. Mm, let's see. Optimus Prime. That could be good, although a truck's more power than I need. What's with these, like, five tiny cars? Do you, like, combine them into one? Right, right there, what you're looking at is uh, legalistic department has to clear this up, whether this is kosher or not. It might not be, but, but well, you either got Megazords or Voltron, depending on what you're talking about, but what you're looking at, depending on if you have ported it out of Japan and to America. We don't have uh, just American cars just yet, but we wish we really did. We'd have some Megazords that are flavored like steaks and sm- <laughs> smell like guns. But until, <laughs> until we get that, we're just going to have to deal with whatever these five little cars are. Mega, one regular size car with none of the parts that work i mean it's got a mastodon in one hand so i think maybe ow fueled by magic ah i might i just hit my shin on something invisible Is that, that wasn't boat? That, was, that wasn't invisible that was just too low for you to see those are a bunch of skateboards from rocket power i can do multiple varial mine thousands if you like that tony hawk kind of thing go to get to get gold medals on your tony hawk pro skater too then this is a great way to get to one place to another and you can flip it up and make it and make all the girls crazy for you it'll be like something else oh like it'll be like a greased lightning kind of situation i'm sorry greased lightning what Gre- greased what now oh sorry that's not from a cartoon um yes I think you got. Oh, you know, maybe maybe an invisible like uh, invisible boat mobile or like well, Wonder Woman's invisible you, jet. You, you, you're talking about a bunch of stuff I don't really care about. And to be too, to, totally honest, I did just make sure that we're all on the same page. The only reason that I really am letting you browse through all this front stuff is so that you can get to the beautiful back models right behind this curtain, and you can see exactly what I'm. This is exactly why I'm called Gun Dance, is because we have Gun Dance back here, and they are wonderful, wonderful, beautiful smashing machines. You, no, no reason you'd ever want to go to a rodeo again, not with these in your backyard. This is the only rodeo you'll ever need. Just go here and get in one of these Gun Dance. It is 20 stories tall and has an erection the size of Mount Olympus. Uh, Gundan, I gotta tell you, I'm worried that if I go into one of these things, I'm going to get locked in and have, like, 
vivid hallucinations and go berserk. That's a reasonable. That's a reasonable fear. There's no reason not to trust the government to do something like that if you don't got tinfoil on your head. So here's what I'm going to promise you: if you go into one of one of the cockpits of any of these gun dens, you won't be caught anywhere. You won't be caught uh, behind bars because you'll just crash right out of them. You won't be you won't be locked behind a door because that door will no longer exist. You just fire these laser. You just fire this laser pistol off of the off of the shoulder plate or fire this these giant energy tomahawks out of the forehead. Uh, okay, that if you slam your fist together and fire a gigantic laser out of the forehead that's the original gun dan the big o himself uh, maybe i could give it a paint job so that it would look like megas xlr um zane? but y- hey. y- you know i i hey, really have get... to uh, wait zane where are you ben ben uh here i the salesman was trying to uh, oh, help geez, me out this guy again zane listen you don't want to you don't want to talk to this guy oh uh sorry mr gundam um it's gundam, i think that's a family name i think we'll just take uh yeah, he'll, uh, that he'll, one. he'll never send, sell you anything at the sticker price. Don't don't fall for it. Uh, well, I'll just take the this closest one. This appears to be Rama's flying thing. <laughs> Dude, I do love the hands. <laughs> I mean, the hands will keep you safe, right? They'll they'll keep you in. Let's just go with Kit from Knight Rider and call it a day. Welcome to the <laughs> annual Cartoni Awards. Welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And this is the podcast where we listen to each other. Um, we are the cartoon podcast that listens to watch it. We are the part. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Cartoncast. I'm Zane. And this is the Ben. <laughs> this, this is the person where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. I'm Zane now. <laughs> cool. <laughs> are, you sure? are you sure you can handle the, <laughs> the responsibility? Of- responsibility doesn't feel like the right word. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you're too busy talking to real people who have, like, very engaging lives. <laughs> we only have each other, man. <laughs> and it shows. Am so. I fighting a losing battle here, Zane? Yes. <laughs> Still putting out the Carton cast since now. The Carton cast. Um, That's it. <laughs> yep. There we go. Carton cast. Okay, I'm not, not going to stop until I've mischaracterized myself on every point about this show. <laughs> kind of, that does, we've tried that before. It doesn't go well. <laughs> not only did we try it, you tried it, and we explained why it wouldn't work. <laughs> what, what a time the past was. We're bad at everything. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, failure is the, the reason of the seasoning. <laughs> That's not a phrase. Oh. <laughs> and oddly enough, that proves your point. Yeah. I really killed it. On that mountain of caveats, uh, we are <laughs> oh, pleased We're not to even halfway into the caveats, Zane. We take our eggs very serious. <laughs> More serious? If not us, who? Mm. And if not who, shoo. If, oh my god. Really shitting it up, guys. <laughs> so, Zane, what do I always say? Let me stop you there. Zane, what I say all the time is, not, we're not random enough. Oh, in, in, in me person, person me? In, we like it's it. like a fine wine. Sometimes... Yeah. It smells bad at the beginning, but then as it ages, it gets worse. Right, as you leave it out. Confusing (laughs) metaphor. Well, you got confused that way because that's how he pronounced it. Oh. For no reason. (laughs) I could have a piece of Einstein anytime I wanted. No, I know. (laughs) What? Zane, what were you going I wasn't. Cool. Uh, And now I was. This conversation is fun to me. (laughs) I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. (laughs) The journey and whatnot. I'm on an adventure. Is that like hate eating? 
It's similar to Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is Haiti even a thing? No, but what it's am I very thinking similar. of? <laughs> I think you're thinking of hate eating, but it's just not a thing. So, like, it's the opposite of an onomatopoeia. Yeah. It's a sound that's not the sound that's the sound. <laughs> why, why can't it just speak for itself? <laughs> uh, pff, I don't know. They gotta gerrymander this bullshit. <laughs> it's like, where, where did. Like, when? When and how? We're about innocent until proven guilty, guys. What about it? I if think I'm not here to turn a profit, then I am here to be a good citizen. That is. <laughs> the worst line of logic that i've ever heard it's a it's amazing on a metric other than quality soldier boy and video games are two of my top passions in this world <laughs> just give me a minute here uh, <laughs> no i'm ag- i'm agreeing with you i just I feel like you're not who are you talking to myself can you explain what a film ass movie is <laughs> you know that i can't you had me at vampire astronaut yeah you're you're not gonna be the rock and roll pope um, I oh I want to be a rock and roll pope Zane. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> I well, I'm just you know like shut up, <laughs> shut up Zane. I got some questions, <laughs> questions that I will you... not be asking out loud. Right, because I'm a coward. But... Well, because it's not worth it, Zane. <laughs> ben, ninety percent of cowardice is saying eh, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, well, who really cares? We're all gonna die. <laughs> that's the other ten percent. Like that's why vowels <laughs> exist is because all the consonants get lonely. Like. That's not wrong. <laughs> it's just infuriating. Yeah, you get the joke. No, I, I wanted to explain it because I actually wasn't sure if you got the joke. <laughs> oh, you're the asshole. I can never. That's a fun game for us to play. Who's the asshole? You're, you're the asshole. Weirdly, that's an even better explanation, and that <laughs> makes me feel very bad. You know, the power of love saved us, but it very easily didn't have to. <laughs> like, it could have gone the other way. It made it ten times harder. Because we couldn't murder anybody. Only by murdering our enemies can we reach the salvation. Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's the wrong direction to go with this. <laughs> Who murders the murderers? That's a great point, Ben. If there is a type of child you should not sexualize, it is a child soldier. And I'm not, you know, pro-war, but if you're gonna war, everyone should have a turn, right? Children don't understand loyalty. No one should ever have to have successful children. They're all written on skin, but not necessarily human skin. Yeah, mix go. it up. Don't be predictable. Two minutes of animal torture, got it. But look at how much bone we have. You know, mm. it's not a sex boner, it's a war boner. When you take a, a young boy and train him and to And we all do him. it. I was perfectly fine looking at the at the sexy teens. Oh, yeah. I have never wanted so badly to watch teenagers make out. Want to write in about how much you like to watch teens make out? Freedom? <laughs> I give omni consent. <laughs> I have sex with pobble horses? Your sex swing is still out in the open. <laughs> yeah, it's like... The bare minimum, guy. Like, at least wipe the lube off. One hand shakes the other. Yeah, scratches the ass. Of justice. And the dick at the same time. I'm going to cosplay as a butt. Kind of offshoot. Offshooted, offshat, <laughs> offshat. <laughs> I gotta clean some holes. I don't know where they are, but they're there. The curves are in the right place, but they're not curves. Play. You can play the ukulele with your dong. Like that makes you a sick badass. No, it's yeah. You know, th- this is well. That's that's a good point. I really need something to kick my nuts off. <laughs> if you can lick a man, you can dodge a ball. If you can <laughs> lick a man, you can dodge his balls. <laughs> no, I totally see it. Will I make you candy, baby? I am tired of those motherfuckers on this motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, the world, like, we live in the world, and, like, (laughs) the world needs us, but not as much as we need it. And, like, but we are it. I am traveling Matt. No, don't recognize your own Uncle Matt. (laughs) Give us a kiss. 
Convertible Gundan for the man in charge. We got the man in charge right here. We got, as you can see, a very nice fine red paint job as well as 20 ton hammers that come out, extend right out of the elbows. No need to, mu no must, no fuss, no need to reload. If I can stereotype a little. No. You, which I probably can't, so <laughs> let's pull that back. A lot of it is just races I don't understand. It's like racism, but more confusing. Okay, I don't think the message is pro-slavery, but it's hard to parse. Yeah, a little, a little bit, you know, too anti-Semitic for my taste, but we'll see. And he's got a weird case of bagel face. Esperanto? No. <laughs> That's a real fake language. Oh. Oh, you mean like Cantonese? No, that's a real, real language. Wait, wait, wait a sec. Yeah, I don't have enough stereotypes to make this better. Uh, <laughs> they stole it from the Dutch because they are shiftless. Is he he's supposed kinda to be Dutch? He's kind. I thought. I thought. Hey, I thought he was Dutch. You put some clogs on there. Nobody will notice. What would you say is the biggest complaint somebody could make about this podcast? My balls hurt. <laughs> somebody else. <laughs> Anyone else here? <laughs> <laughs> Only balls man came to see us at the convention. <laughs> Is this why people don't write into us because we keep making fun of them? Uh, you want to hear turning people off. I'm the one with um, thousands of Beatles. Listeners of the Carton cast, please check out the Carton cast. <laughs> Give us a check. Check us out. Give us a check. Well, we know what we're doing, but we haven't gotten good at it. Dumb. I think you mean great. It is great, but it's also very dumb. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut that up to be comprehensible. I think it's really good. <laughs> you think so? I don't feel great about my Gundam performance this time around. Oh, Ben, I think you're overestimating how good the original one was. I had to cut that, like, <laughs> three, four ways and back. Fair enough. Like, <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Hello, audience. Audience? Get over here, you audience. My name is Ben. <laughs> And my name is Zane. And welcome to the Carton Cast. This is the podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And today, Zane, what are we doing? Oh, it's that beautiful time of year again. Lovely. And like a big milestone for us. Um, the largest mile. The fifth mile. We've been doing this podcast for five years. And fifth. it is our fifth annual Cartoni Awards. I'm super excited. Where we excited. look back at the previous year. And give ourselves awards, because yes. that's that's kind of what an award show is about. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in, you know, Kanye serving it up to me. Like, I'll just say that I had the best cartoon of all time, and then let myself finish. Kanye, if you'd like to come on the podcast and serve it up to us. <laughs> We're more than happy to have you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zane, this has been kind of a big year for us. It's been, uh, we've been busy. We've been doing <laughs> lots of busy. stuff. Yeah, we, we've been on multiple different uh, different other podcasts, including some others on the network. And uh, as of recent, we have actually poured it over our website so that the Fancy Bat Network now has room to grow. Yes, sir. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to starting to reach out more uh, uh, more on social media. I'm I hope that this will be a good episode to sort of direct people to. Like, if you want to know what's been going on, this is what's been going on. Let me tell you how things on. were. You got to wade through a bunch of Gundam nonsense. But once you get through it, oh, man. It's, it's glorious stuff. Yeah. Um, and if you and, do want to check out the uh, the new website, then just as we had said before, go to fancybat.com so you can see the other shows on the network. We're really proud of all of them and we're really happy to be working with the other podcasters to, to make a great thing. 
And in particular, go ahead and check out Empowered because that's coming up on its two-year anniversary. And so the second annual Tournament of Powers is uh, coming right up. Oh, yeah. I, I do believe that I am an undefeated champion of that so far. Yeah, you've had more episodes of Empowered this year than I have. Which no, is... that, I mean, I, I won the last tournament. Oh, also you won the last tournament. Yeah, that's, a, that's right. All right. Well, give yourself a bad power this year. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking wheel retraction. All right. Well, spoiler alert. Well, I I always I knew from a year ago that that was what was going to happen. <laughs> anyway, but we don't anyway. want too much cross contamination. Let's. We have a long day ahead of us, so do. why don't we start getting into it, Ben? Why don't you explain how this works? Okay. So, uh, ever since the first Cartonia Awards, long long time ago, uh, I'm amazed we, we hit on such a good formula right that, off the bat. That was really lucky. Uh, <laughs> what, what we do is because nobody else talks to us or writes into the show or would potentially be able to vote on episodes uh we just do it what we do is we take uh we take all the shows that we've looked at this year and we rank them we grade them on various categories that we come up with such as what show is the best batman show or uh you know things like that what what show do you think would smell the worst those kind of (laughs) things and then we posit three cartoons um one of us says i think that these are the contenders and then the other person decides mm-hmm. and it's really no more comp- uh, complicated than that so this is and, w- and we've got a baker's dozen of categories today some we old sure some new um and let's yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it absolutely zane would you like to start the game <laughs> all right first category ben this is for which show had the best setting to live in okay so first off we have Fraggle Rock, the joyous communist utopia. <laughs> you you prep your own food. You you relax as you will. Um, you've got a bunch of little other types of people walking around constructing things. And every day you get a nice postcard from your uncle traveling Matt, who just has no idea what's going on. Absolutely, absolutely is in the throes of dementia at this point. Now, do you live under constant threat of being eaten? Sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think you you'll know, find that even it's, Mesopotamia that it's worth had it. crime, right? <laughs> but I think you'll find that it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, next setting, somewhat similar, but I think you will agree, very different in some ways. Uh, Moomin Valley. <laughs> it's it's similar in certain ways, yes. <laughs> and in the certain ways is that it's a peaceful, pleasant, like countryside place to live. We're not underground. We're in the rolling hills of I'm going to say Scandinavia. I'm going to say Stardew Valley. It's it's kind of like Stardew Valley, <laughs> but with an unmistakable air of menace. So, yeah, you know, some days you're just going to screw off to the beach and make a boat or, you know, go hide and seeking in the forest. But some days you have to deal with the personification of seasonal depression. Yep. Or the hobgoblin. So if you like having mostly nice days and then sometimes something unexplainable in Eldritch happens, <laughs> this is where you want to be. See, you could not give me a better sell of Moomin. <laughs> and finally, and I, I worry that you're going to have a hard time disentangling your feelings about this. Uh, oh boy. How would you like to live in the Mario Bros. apartment? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, all sorts of weird contraptions hanging out. Uh, you know, you're downtown. You know, you're in Brooklyn. Pl- plenty of delicious delis nearby. And celebrities come by on the reg, but they're all 80s and 90s celebrities. So not all of them have aged well. 
Yeah. Also, I, you have a, a two-way mirror in your bathroom to chat with people and a pipe that will take you to a magical kingdom. Okay. Well, these are these are certainly interesting. I, I think that there are a couple of movies that would probably be also a pretty great place to live. Uh, yeah. But, well, not great, but interesting. You know, the Valley of the Wind. The Valley of the Wind would be pretty cool, but also terrifying. I considered it, but then I didn't have a third valley to make a valley list. <laughs> a bunch of valleys. Uh, so wait, what was the last one? Uh, Mario Bros. Mario apartment. Bros. <laughs> okay. All right. Lots of different things. I think what we're going to start with is by saying that let's let's look at Moomin and Fraggle Rock alongside each other. because this, And this is a very personal decision. I would not put this on anyone else. Fraggle Rock is a static, safe environment. And it's nice in the same way that the Shire was nice. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, you get you get itchy feet. You feel the need to roam. And Fraggle Rock doesn't let you do that. So as much as I love all the all the fun little games that they play with each other and the intricate system of tunnels would be really fun to explore, at a certain point, you Uncle Traveling Matt your way out. And yes, <laughs> the Moomin Valley is, you know... It, it, it can be scary, but I say that you can't really enjoy the nice parts without the scary parts. Okay. So I, I think that, that it beats out. And it's got Snufkin. Come on. Snufkin. Um, plus, the existence of Snufkin says that there's nothing stopping you from just picking up and moving to a different town if things get real bad. So That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Between that and the Mario Brothers house, Mario Brothers house does have... More celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got professional wrestler Lou Albano. Can I, do I consider the setting really? I, I don't know. If we're just You're talking... crashing on their couch. It's less comfortable for you, but my God. <laughs> yeah, it's like having a fun roommate. I don't know. I, I feel like the best, the most special part of that apartment is the fact that Lou Albano is there. And if we're just going by setting, I say that Moomin has it. All right. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it comes out of a storybook, and you're like, oh, I want to live there. Mm-hmm. I want to drop things into a hat and have them turn into other things, and then maybe I'll fall into a hat and turn into a shriveled monster. Yeah, and then my and then my parents don't recognize me and call me ugly to my face. God, what's going on in this show? The I don't first know. episode. <laughs> well, listen to the movie episode. It's great. It's great time. Okay. So, Zane, next I have a real simple one for you. Mm -hmm. It's real simple to ask. might be difficult to answer. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And that is, who had the best character design? Ooh. First off, we have Nigel Thornberry from the Wild Thornberries, the Mm. meme lord himself. Iconic. He's got that great, like, British fortitude stout body with, like, these stick legs and the big nose with the bristly mustache and the the facial structure could not be more alien if it was an alien (laughs) so so, like just just fascinating work done on this character construction um lumpy as you please because it's a simple creation the blocky shirt and the like adventure shorts with the tiny little legs (laughs) the tiny little legs and, and like the the bunched up socks at the bottom Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, next, Kid Muscle from Ultimate Muscle. Muscle has the power. Kid, 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 kid. First of all, you gotta appreciate the toning that he's done. <laughs> like, this is yeah, a yeah. real good muscle boy. 
he's got those great expressions that are just like so dope dopey as you please mm-hmm. uh let's not forget you know he's the progenitor of the bagel virus he's got that big old bagel <laughs> lips that do not belong on a person and that little tuft of hair the that like cute little tuft of hair poking out of his mask because he hasn't grown imagine, any hair since he was born. Can you imagine the engineering challenges behind doing that? <laughs> well, no, it's like when you when you raise a uh, a watermelon in a in oh, a box, like in a it will become square. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would yeah. that work for animals? Could you do that to like a deer? And he's got like a face colored mask. Yeah, That's you mask. always forget that he's wearing a mask. And I, I really like the color motif of his uh, of his outfit. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that dumb little fin. The little head fin that they do. <laughs> uh, anyway, and then finally, the last one, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Ooh. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Uh, the anime from the animated series Beetlejuice. So this <clears throat> character was pretty much ported straight over from the movie, but kinda. <laughs> I mean, like, like he he lost his soul somewhere along the way. But the husk, the body is still exactly as it was. He's got like that dumb little doughy gut. He's got like the gross Austin Powers teeth and limp seaweed hair. He's got that pinstripe, not quite a crim- criminal, oh. but not quite not a criminal sort of sort of it, suit. It does so much for characterization. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one of the better costumes that I've ever seen, and it and it fits real well with like the lids of his eyes half closed and his. His face is all pallid and gray. He's, I mean, it, it's a great character design. They, so, they managed yeah. to convey the fact that he's like constantly moist without having any dripping coming off of him. That's a tricky balance. <laughs> um, I'm also impressed by the fact that like he does look different than in the movies in in ways, and like they they handle that transition to animation pretty well. Others, I don't know. <laughs> Others, not so much. I, I um, go on. I go on record as stating that uh, Lydia Dietz was a uh, better portrayed in the animated mm. version. At least physically looked better. So I didn't really like the personality. These are some good contenders. Um, I think in order to make the decision easier, I'm going to kick off Kid Muscle. Not because he doesn't look amazing, or that he doesn't have the power. We don't. Or we that, know that he because does. he has the power. Kid, 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 kid. King there had a kid, 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 kid. Um, <laughs> But the issue there is when I'm visualizing these three characters, Nigel, I can picture his head and his whole body. Beetlejuice, the whole body. Mm. Kid Muscle, I can only really visualize the head. Uh, uh, it's and just it's a, a muscle boy. It's just a G.I. Joe on the bottom. Yeah, it's a great head. And like I'm sure he's wearing some very tight spandex um, or a ref costume. But like... <laughs> but, but I think I'll have to pick one of the other two I for that reason. I guess it's because he does dress up in different costumes so often. Yeah, like there's there's a continuity there that just isn't reinforced enough, right? Um, plus, everybody else in that universe is also a big muscle guy, and yeah. when you've got one of them who's like a dick dick and one who's a walrus, like it's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, so then between Nigel and Beetlejuice, um, I think Beetlejuice really fits his world really well. Um, like, like how much of it is the character and how much of it is the fact that he's in that animation style where it's all like a bunch of jarring shapes and nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I have to give it to Nigel simply for the fact that he's been memed to hell and back and you could put that head anywhere and like the voices in your head, like 
he he fits in his setting. He fits in any other setting. The blockiness, like he sells it, and he's comedic. It's it's a real uphill battle trying to dethrone Nigel as you know <laughs> from a character model. I think Beetlejuice gives a run for his money, but he I does. do not. I but do like not, the, uh, I do not but disagree. Like, when you get down to like Beetlejuice's face, you know he he's a butterface. You know he it, it's just a regular <laughs> dude's face. It was like Michael Keaton, just <laughs> copy paste. Nigel Thornberry, you got huge schnoz. You got the mustache, my mustache, <laughs> <laughs> just really embodying um, it's almost an impossible task because when you <clears> look <throat> at nigel you also hear his voice so it's like you're, you're getting more than you bargained for like yeah, you can't it's really a character design it's not just a visual it's not just a model design it's a character yep design yep good. and this this good. embodies the character well played all right so wild thornberries takes it down all right very nice well we haven't seen the last of uh, ultimate muscle though um this was a category like so recommended far. by Josh in the Fillmore episode, and it is Best Genre Parody. Very nice. Um, so right off, so this is what show did the best job of taking the conventions of a genre and either dialing them up to 11 or flipping them on their head or both. I've been, I've been worried about this one. So first up, it is going to be Ultimate Muscle. Mm-hmm. Um Take the WrestleMan idea. Pro wrestling is already so wild and gimmicky. <laughs> it's already a parody. Um, and what this did was throw in like superpowers and extraterrestrials. <laughs> um, yeah, enough said. Yep. Uh, next, we have Fillmore, which is a by the by the numbers, by the book, Bookum Dano um, <laughs> parody of a cop show. Where the parody is not so much that it's a cop show, it's that it's set in a middle school. It's so brilliant. And the one-to-one nature of it that they that they drive home every every minute, uh, they just clearly did their research. And they never break character. Yeah. It's always that. And I mean, Ultimate Muscle, you know, they, they've got kayfabe there as well. Of course. <laughs> it's just that the character is a little, a little wilder. Yeah, I mean, but that's what that's what packs the stands. That's it gets butts and seats. And then our final contender, and I th- I want this category no to be one. as difficult for you as possible. Uh, this is going to be Clone High. Yep. Uh, the teenage angst uh, coming of age parody, sort of like any John Hughes movie, just sort of growing up in the eighties and nineties kind of heaven. story. Yeah. Um, but our characters are all genetically engineered clones of famous people the detail that goes nowhere <laughs> it just doesn't develop anything There's no it, point like, to it it's it very gives funny. you a reason to have a b plot with an annoying principle but aside <laughs> from that this is just a beautiful one tree hill hey take that yep <laughs> uh yeah so those are your contenders <laughs> good luck this is this yeah this is really hard i i love Okay, so let's 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 look at these. I I, I actually cannot decide between the three of them with my <laughs> gut here. So let me let me go through each of them and yeah, maybe we, I'll uncover. We can talk through these. We have to talk through them. This is not going to work by just me deciding it. <laughs> so, ultimate muscle. We already have like the kind of du- double the doubling down on parodying wrestling and parry parodying the parody of wrestling. That's pretty special. Because remember, Kanikaman started off like this and then became a serious wrestle manga. Right. And so when they made this, they're like, we can't... Back to form. 
we can't give ourselves the out no. of doing another Kanikuman. <laughs> yep, yep. Let's put a dick dick in there. And now we have nowhere to go. Nowhere to Terry, go but up. Terry the Grand Kenyan. <laughs> yep. He, he fought an animate phone person. <laughs> it's like One Punch Man. It's delightful. It's delightful and weird. Um, that being said, I think that the parody is less distant from the actual source like the the trick about pro wrestling is that when you're parodying pro wrestling you're kind of still just doing pro wrestling like it's not even that far away from regular pro wrestling at that point Mm -hmm. and sometimes it wasn't really pro wrestling it was just a bad action show (laughs) with weird fart humor which is fine and you know it's not as though they weren't selling it but it isn't quite a holistic parody Mm mm-hmm and the fact that it's an anime gives it that way to go up above and beyond the bounds of normalcy that we're used to in our in our culture and in our normal uh, Western animation. So yeah, definitely just like it, it it could always go big. I think I talked myself out of Kid Muscle as much as I like it. Um, so Fillmore, Fillmore is. I mean, we, we talked about it very recently. It's a, it's a sublime parody of the cop drama and the fact that it never breaks character for a second and that it's stating it all through this filter of middle school stuff is too smart for the room, which is why it did not make it very long, which is definitely a shame. And it also, you know, shows its parody chops. The fact that you can parody something so well that your intended audience is just not picking up the source material. Like if you're parodying a cop drama (laughs) and you're peddling it to middle schoolers and the middle schoolers are like, what the fuck is this? I don't like cop dramas. I'm a middle schooler. You've done your Mm. job well, you know? Yeah. Um, Done it well. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it depends on the audience doesn't catch on the parody aspect. No, no, no. If the, if the audience doesn't catch on the thing, Oh, the source material. No, not the source material. If the cat, if the if the audience doesn't isn't picking up on the setting that you actually are in, so like it's uh, set in yeah. middle school. If the audience can't relate to that, that means that you barely, only superficially resemble a middle school. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the same time, <laughs> Clone High, Clone High is tricky because like if it was just. The parody, if it was just the clone stuff, if it was just the teens, clones of sexy teens, I mean, oh, and the, and the, oh, God, we've got to talk about the intros. Those are also great parody moments. <laughs> God, Clone High, so Clone High has all of the great, um, all of the great teen drama stuff, and it's, it's inverted in a way that can't help but, the thing about it is that it knows how to make you laugh, and Fillmore kind of didn't in the same way. Like I, mm-hmm. my mind goes back to that moment in Clone High where they're sa- sitting at two adjacent piers, <laughs> <laughs> and because of the strength of Abe as a character and the fact that he talks in this really <laughs> fucked up way, like even though and, and the fact that the music there is is you know really kind of heart rending music, but he's just saying absolute word salad, you know yes. it all it all works together so damn well. But at it's the same time, really beautiful the principle is so antithetical to the parody aspect. Well, I think it might be parodying something else. It's just because it's something else, it, it clashes. It, 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 
very confused. It's very it's very confusing. Um, it's 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 an undirected, unfocused message. I got to give it to Fillmore. It's it's cohesive. It's it's cohesive, and that makes all the difference. They never break character. They are fully embodying the thing that they're trying to rip off, and it it worked on me. Yeah, which isn't to say that the Clone High segments didn't work on me, but the principal fucks that all up. Clone High, get rid of the principal. If you have a reboot, and God, we hope you do. <laughs> Please. I mean, it's, it's all those I saw Spider Verse. You guys are still talented. You guys like... are doing it. <laughs> Apparently, that's on Netflix now. Ooh, check that out. I just watched Spider Man Homecoming uh, last night. <gasps> you finally got there? It's really good. Wait, and why apparently did you the... choose last night? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Brought it, home, brought it home from the library. I don't know. Sure. I guess, <laughs> I guess it's not much of a story there. Yeah. Okay. We, we are truly living in a Spider-Man utopia. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, Fillmore. Nice. Yep. And then we get to hear that intro theme, which is... Well, they both had great... All three of those shows are just really fantastic. Those intros are amazing. Okay. So, uh... My turn, and we should take a we should take a ride on the terrible side. Oh yes, I'm going to give you the worst example of toxic masculinity category. Ooh, Fuck. all right, <laughs> work your way out of this one, Zane. Now, <laughs> all right, let's let's get this chip off your shoulder. Let's. Uh... <laughs> now we are, you know, I don't, I can't speak for you, but I am a real, um, I, I'm 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 absolutely becoming woke of sorts in recent months, especially. Uh, because of the climate that we happen to, the social climate that we happen to live in. So I cannot help but see a lot of problems in the way that some men relate to women uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in various cartoon shows. It used to be quote-unquote okay. It never really was, but we gave it a pass. We no longer give it a pass, and it still shows up. <laughs> so here's... so should, I be, should I be taking into account the age of these uh, cartoons? I think, I think it's... I think maybe no. Am I grading on a curve? I don't know. Like, because if you remember in, in Gundam Wing, they were constantly trying to kill Relena. <laughs> they were just like, I'm going to murder you. Yeah. Does that count? I don't think so. I, I, that's just that's just general aggression. Yeah, I that's think. not specifically I hate women kind of shit. Okay, yeah. So here here's the examples I came up with. The first, surprising no one, Johnny Bravo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, look, we talked about it then. It, it's a it's a big problem in the show that he crosses the line from being lecherous to uh, assaultive, mm-hmm. and that's no good. Uh, you know, he there's there's a, a fine line between just flexing in public <laughs> and hoping that people notice you, and literally picking them up over their over your shoulder and carrying them back to your cave or kissing them without their consent. Yeah. So, and it's a shame because there's so much else to love about Johnny Bravo. It, it's when he embraces his wacky side that the show really kicks off. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, appealing to a very kind of base humor, it doesn't really accomplish that. I Wacky masculinity. That's that's the way of the future. That's the, that's the way of the future, yes. Kid Muscle understands. He's got the power. Second D. Second D. Second D. Beetlejuice. Ooh, <laughs> in the movie or See, this, here's the thing yeah so we got, <laughs> so in in the movie we have him as a lecherous car salesman uh looking under women's skirts uh, also the kind of ace the the mask style kissing people without their consent but yeah that's not the thing i'm talking about i'm talking about the guy in the show 
Now, hmm. if you recall, the guy in the show is absolutely using his connection to Lydia, potentially trying to get her, get you know, get, get in her pants. Some real nice guy behavior that he exhibits. And yes, she enables him, but he is very much not treating her like a human being. He's constantly kind of show showing off for her and and playing playing the victim in a lot of cases really trying to garner sympathy from her when in fact he's just a bad person mm-hmm. you know and it if there was any character in the past year that i would ascribe nice guy beta male status to it's probably beetlejuice i can see that as well it's tricky because he is otherworldly in a lot of ways. It, it uh, muddles things somewhat. You know, culture doesn't necessarily apply. and <laughs> Of course. Uh, and then finally, we've got Ram from Sita Sings the Blues. Yeah. The message of this movie was excellent. It was, you know, it was all about kind of the difficulty of breaking away from an abusive relationship. And that is what they showed us. They, you know, Ram... Used to be the love of Sita's life. Um, Sita got kidnapped. I'm not going to recount the entire plot to you, but basically... I don't remember the entire plot. There's a lot going on. It's a lot of plot. (laughs) Sita is mistreated by Ram as soon as, you know, they are reunited. He questions her purity, which is some classic abusive boyfriend shit, like, who you been texting kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, And, you know, eventually culminates with actual violence toward Sita that was so jarring that protests broke out because of this. Right. <laughs> protests in India for portraying Ram as such a, an abusive uh, abusive guy. So, yeah. Um, those, so, those are your three. That's... Whew, this is fun. This is fun I, I for thought, me. Yeah, I thought you'd enjoy this. <laughs> this is what you like. Um, I want to discount uh, Beetlejuice. I um, figured. Partly, be- partly because, like, the entire conceit of the animated series is that he is neutered. I mean, you compare him versus his movie self, and the movie self was like, hey, I'm forcing you to marry me so that I can have a green card to the real world. Also, my teeth are made of cockroaches. And nothing we see in the animated series really reaches that level. It's a lot of, you know, subtle, like, you know, I'm just a bad friend stuff. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know how much of it translates into masculinity. There is a, a little bit of that, you know, uh, uh, milady nature of it. Yeah, I, I think the other two are are a bit stronger cases. That's true. I think I think maybe when I was writing it up, I was remembering the movie version, and it just it fit well <laughs> enough that I put it there. But I see what you mean. He Michael Keaton leaves uh, quite the impression. Mm-hmm. Talking again about Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get past it one of these days. Um. So. Here's the thing about the other two is they both kind of have to be graded on their own curves because because Johnny is a man child who never really I mean, he he definitely should have learned by now. Yes, like he receives no enough excuse. feedback on this topic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I don't know what's going on like with him that he can't understand it. Yeah, there's there's Rah. other, you know, there's other stuff going on in his brain that is unexplained by this. Rom, I think, has the worse overall behavior because it's so persistent and it's so uh, personal, you know, because it's it's more of a domestic abuse kind of yeah. situation, at least as it's portrayed in the movie. I don't know about the original text. The trick is, 
he also has more caveats because one, you know, it's based on this very ancient story where cultural norms were very different and maybe this isn't the same interpretation as it's given today. Um, also, you know, he's a king and he has to think about his image. He got to think about what Toby you thinks. You got to think about Toby. <laughs> Toby's important. So this is... So this is tricky to me. Zane, so what, what's Zane, the name of the category? I, I, uh, worst example of toxic masculinity. And if I may. Worst example. Yes. Uh, and if I may, Zane. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I see you debating the context of these relative works and, 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 and trying to really wiggle your way out of a, of a, of a tight hole that I put I you in. I think I know where I fall down on. Which, but which is say, uh, the, the real question here is, is it worse to assault a stranger or a loved one? Oh, see, this is the kind of thing I love to weigh in on and get on record. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Like, of course, I mean, you have statistically, to, you, you um, have to put these in their context. Like, it's yeah. it's about examples of toxic masculinity, and not about like actual, actual I think, criminal shit. I think I'm gonna have to take Johnny Bravo for two reasons. Mm. One, two, three, One, as an example, uh, he certainly embodies the sort of things we can learn the wrong lesson from. There are there's enough He's distance so from Rom that like I can't. There's no way I can justify myself being in his shoes to make decisions, even though I know they weren't, they're not the ones I would make. Johnny Bravo, I'm in his situation every day because I go outside and, and, and interact with people. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll give you one more piece of kind of uh, validation. Let's think about how the various media treat both characters. Yeah, yeah. In Cita Sings the Blues, Rom is the bad guy. Yep. Very clearly. In Johnny Bravo, he's a good guy. Yeah, it really goes no farther than that. If you're looking for an example of toxic masculinity, you also have to consider the culture that birthed it and whether or not they are, uh, whether or well, not if we're putting whether they chastise if, him for it. If we're putting in that context, Rom is continually revered and Johnny Bravo is continually slapped. So there's a little inversion, but I that think, is true. I but I take your point, and I think what pushes Johnny over the top is, ex in terms of examples, it's how will people. Uh, learn what's okay for them, and Johnny Bravo today is like the the case study. He's like the poster boy. Yep. You say Johnny Bravo, and people think two things: wacky and sexist. Yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, and even if it Elvis. wasn't the creator's original intent, um, that's that's the lesson you learn from Johnny Bravo. Listen to that episode if you want to hear the whole spiel about it. <laughs> it goes way deeper, yeah. But uh, yeah. Sorry, Johnny, that you couldn't win for something fun. Um, <laughs> we we, we still, all know that you're fun. We still love you. It doesn't it doesn't erase your mistakes, but we all know. Get help. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was that was that was interesting. That was an interesting. Uh, I thought you'd like it. Yeah, it's a. That was an interesting new category. Yeah, we shouldn't be afraid to tackle that kind of thing. Well, I have a, a classic category for you. Bring it. What do we got? This is the best intro slash worst show. I so this love is love it. A show that had an amazing intro and then just immediately face-planted out of the gate. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and it's not necessarily that the shows are going to be terrible, but compared to how good the intros were, yeah. Yep. Uh, so somebody we've seen a couple times already, Beetlejuice. <laughs> there he is. We've gone on record as having problems with Beetlejuice. <laughs> Uh, it's it's reliance on puns that don't go anywhere. It's formulaic nature. The fact that they really didn't go far enough in terms of the monstrous designs or the plots. By the way, they, we had uh, we had uh, we had Dan Caves, our resident horror expert, on for that episode. So thank yes, you very much for showing Dan up. Yes, classic Dan Caves. 
And um, the intro, though, of Beetlejuice is just a ride that puts you back in the th- in the thoughts of the original movie where, like, the music is, like, classic Danny Elfman feel. Yep. You're riding on a roller coaster. <laughs> You're going... They basically compressed the best parts of Corpse Bride into a minute. Yeah. And <laughs> they go through, like, the uh, Donkey Kong Country roller coaster thing. Oh, it was yeah. good. You, you think, like, oh, I can jump and get the coin. Yep. <laughs> coin? Uh, I think you mean banana. Uh, ooh, banana. Oh, well, they had banana, banana coins. We'll split the difference. Okay, split the banana. Oh, what are we going to do, Donkey Kong show? Okay. Oh, um, God. If only. Next. Next up, we have Cat Dog. One run day with a wolf for the burr. Yeah, classic trucker. Like the intro does so much to characterize these guys. It sets up the major themes. Trucker is the genre of music for that. Yeah, <laughs> you are correct. It, that is what like I'm, the the uh, amount of conveyed information is so high for this intro. Yeah, um, and then you get into the show. And it's not necessarily a bad show. It just uh, all of that beautiful theming and like wordplay and interplay just kind of gets replaced by like, hey, we have a couple of jokes and a couple weird gimmicks. We're just going to do them again until the end of the episode. Um, I, I remember us being kind of underwhelmed with how Cat Dog turned out. We, it lost its own potential. And it, it, this really did feel like they put all the potential into the intro. Right. Uh, and our final selection is uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, I could have seen that one coming. Classic, uh, just nonstop, endless groove beat of the intro. It's this glamorous pop rock. They're telling us how great it's going to be. It's catchy. The auto-tune chipmunkification sounds, like, don't great at all. Not like, in it's the all intro. cohesive. And well, yeah, and then, then you get into the show, and <laughs> oh boy, the '80s are really showing their their wear and tear at this point. <laughs> um, there were good parts, but most of them were in the Back to the Future episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to our future, which, whatever like, the fuck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> By the way, shout uh, out to nothing... Gary Lane for coming on that episode and talking about chipmunks and talking mm-hmm. about Dave mostly. Dave. Thanks, Dave. Um. So yeah, uh, a lot of respect for the chipmunkification process uh and all the work that that probably took but uh intro just knocked it out of the park it's a the show gimmick that lasted was... for like 70 years the show itself just had nothing interesting to say mm-hmm. i would almost yeah. argue that the chipmunkification process has nothing interesting to say it's just like can we do this oh, yes then some market well, voices are higher ben yeah okay i guess there's one thing uh, to say so yeah beetlejuice cat dog and alvin and the chipmunks all right Let's see here. Let me get my bearing straight. Let me get to the straight of bearing. Cat dog do you, is... Do you know where the bearing straight is? Nope. Sure don't. Is it a All thing? All right. Yes. Okay, cool. I thought it might have been. It's next to Russia. I uh, must have learned it in the Wild Thornberries or something, because as we all know, I only imbibe things through cartoons and not through <laughs> actual, like... Yeah, through books, I guess. <laughs> Read a book. Read a goddamn book. The So, cat dog... I love the intro. I, you know, that th- has that great visual metaphor of Rancid Rabbit cutting the red tape out from underneath Cat Dog to facilitate the metaphor of them being Bo- in the underclass and trying to become better. Trying yeah, to- both personal and societal uh, piling on of them. 
so that that that, that metaphor which is carried out and through that um through that visual through that visual metaphor is really excellent we shouldn't forget that it's also present in the show you know it, mm-hmm. it's certainly best showcased in the intro but there's moments in the show where it also is shown to be to shown to be true you know like uh, they'll get trapped in a you know they'll get the, the they'll have broken a, a rule at the county pool and then they're in a you know they're in a chain gang kind of thing and are slapped down for trying to obey the rules they're slapped down for disobeying the rules like there's no way out it's really depressing it's extremely depressing like it's a show that thrives on being terrible to its characters like from the creator's mouth you know yeah it's not it's not the worst show of the three but it makes you feel bad it's it's a day-to-day depression of like ah someone bumped into my car you know like no one it's just it's just sad it's just frustrating it's the embodiment of the maybe tomorrow spirit just slowly going away. Yes. Yeah. At, at a certain point, you realize <laughs> maybe not tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think that we can safely discard CatDog because the show actually did all that stuff, albeit less well. Mm-hmm. We've got Alvin and the Chipmunks and who else? Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the bad show. <laughs> And Alvin and the Chipmunks has a good intro. But do the squeaky voices. Let's let's take in each. Okay, so Beetlejuice is also a bad show. Are the squeaky voices worse than Beetlejuice's puns? Oh, boy. That's a, that's a hard question, Dan. Um, I, I think when you're young, the puns are fun. And I think the voices, the longer you watch the show, get less annoying. I'm not certain that's true. I would, you know, there there were some some things to like about Beetlejuice, like that weird rancher monster Yosemite Sam character. That like he's pretty mm-hmm. good. The screen tears that accompany going to the Neither World are pretty good. So like, there's not nothing there, but you know, and we also have Dave and Alvin and the Chipmunks. I would say that Beetlejuice is probably a slightly better show, mm-hmm. but it's also a far better intro. I see, yeah. Because that theme song is so goddamn good. It's hard to compete. You know, you've got the Fish Heads guy competing with Danny Elfman. Yeah. Whom I assume has not yet written a, a song about Fish Heads. I think I'm going to give it to Beetlejuice because of the way both the intros end. Alvin and the Chipmunks ends kind of weak with the dude, dude. Do, do, oh do, do. yeah, I forgot about that. They just uh, they just like, hey, we're here. Here, all right, here we are. Remember how Beetlejuice does it? Is they both land in front of the title screen, and then Beetlejuice does those beautiful like hubba hubba hip wiggling kind of things, and then Lydia, <laughs> Lydia laughs. She's like, oh, that's so cute. Out him. Yeah. Oh, great characterization in there. Yep, and it's just like economy of effort combined with just fun fun visuals. It's all pretty great and. Alvin and Chipmunks is not uniformly great intro, so we give it to Beetlejuice. All right. Beat that juice, kids. Beat it up real good. Beat it. it. No one wants to be defeated. No one. (laughs) I love that lyric. single goddamn person. (laughs) Show me the person who wants to be defeated. (laughs) Anybody, looking around, show of hands. Show of hands. (laughs) 
<laughs> Zane, we've got a new character. They, they take a poll of the audience at the Michael Jackson concert and they remove anyone <laughs> ahead of time so that he's not perjuring himself <laughs> through song. Listen, this song's not going to work unless we get this done, okay? I know it's going to be kind of a hassle. But if you want to meet the king of pop, this is what you got to do. <laughs> Show our hands. <laughs> Zane, this is a very specific character for you to make. <laughs> Person who asks an audience if anyone wants to be defeated. Uh, okay. What do you got for me? What do I got? Uh, all right, so let's go. Let's do. Okay, yeah, I think this is a good one. Uh, the next category is most jarring, unpleasant detail. So I'm going to explain what this means. This is yeah. a show that is otherwise fine. And then there's like one fatal flaw that makes you recoil with a. Yeah, the fly in the ointment of the cartoon. The dead rat in the wine bottle. At the bottom. Right at the bottom. Because like you can drink the rest of the wine and you're like, this is fine. Tastes a little yeah, weird, but it's fine. And like, I'm not a wine guy. I don't know how to detect what's weird. And then it's like, oh, it's a dead rat, though. And then then you're like two sips away from finishing it when you see it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Are we both referencing we the same Metroid Prime review? We'll never do it. <laughs> Show notes. <laughs> That's, oh, could we even find it anymore? Oh, we'll find it. It's actually, even if you've never played Metroid Prime, it's a pretty good review. It's a pretty good, like, metaphor, too. Yeah. He's not so bad at it. Also, I don't think that that's true. I like the game quite a bit, but that's a different podcast and conversation and probably different life. In a world. Anyway, most jarring unpleasant detail. First off... Ultimate Spider-Man. Just everything about it? No, this that would not fit the category. I think you'll find that although it had a bunch of weak points, there was one unforgivable sin that tanked it. And that is the Family Guy cuts. Oh, oh I forgot. <laughs> so, you know, we, we do have one-liners from Spider-Man, and they never shuts up. That's bad. When he goes through the effort of referencing a thing, and then we remove ourselves from a galactic, a galactic space dogfight... And look at him playing video games against Ant-Man on the couch for no reason. Yeah. Fuck that. It's like, what what would really up the stakes against Thanos? Let's well let's see how Aunt May is doing. Let's let's uh have a nice family dinner. And there's a time for that, but it's not a time that we're looking at Spider-Man, it's a time that we're looking at Peter Goddamn Parker. And again, and I can't stress this enough, I just watched Spider-Man Homecoming. And it's better. Yeah. It has no Drake Josh, or it has no Drake Bell. That's, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> no a problem. Drake, <laughs> no Drake, Josh. <laughs> you, they, they were in the fly transporters. <laughs> <It's> amalgamation. <laughs> Kill me. It's, Kill Josh, Megan. Listen, I don't want this show to end. <laughs> you know? Like, I tried going solo, but I miss you, bud. I'm not, not going to be able to carry through without you. This got sad. What's next? <laughs> next is the... Super Mario Brothers Suite, mm. which, you know, the shows, they have that kind of they've got a deep charm. shittiness to them that you, I, I have really developed a fondness for. Yeah, the, the classic Saturday morning breakfast cereal cartoon show where you don't care about quality. You're just like you're waking up and there's colors and shapes and there's that warm feeling of familiarity. Yep. And then Super Mario World. We got this. 
And I hope you cut in some Yoshi's voice garbage because that's what I'm referencing. Oh, do I have to go to bed so soon? Well, like they say in Brooklyn, early to bed, early to catch the worm. Or is it the bagel? Mmm, the worm's good. Tell Yoshi bedtime story now. Tell how Luigi finds Yoshi and Yoshi rescue princess. It's like Jar Jar Binks is got chipmunkified. Yes, it is, it is <laughs> terrible. I maintain that it sounds a little bit like someone's doing a weird chinese person impression like an american like an american racist chinese person impression <laughs> you may think he sounds like a baby neither one of them is really good oh ben i forgot just how good the super mario world theme song is <laughs> and then we get world. right into yoshi talking <laughs> yeah it's 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 unbearable super mario world super mario. <laughs> Yeah, I almost did like best Jamaican style intro, but you know, I feel like that's a little bit much. <laughs> I mean, that's something that we, if we're looking back at everything, we could probably find. We could probably find them. Uh, okay. Yeah, Yoshi was a real problem. I mean, we would have Arthur. Arthur had a Jamaican style intro, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. And then the final one uh, Fiddlesticks. We recently had Jeff Ryan on, and we were all galled at how bad his mouth is in that one scene. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I, I don't have the same love of Fiddlesticks that Jeff Ryan did. He made a, like a whole book about uh, Walt Disney and Oop, E-Works, I-Works, uh, you know, the kind of their fractured relationship. And this is like the first thing that Oob put out after he left Walt Dis- uh, Disney Studios. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of fondness for it, but he agreed. This this mouth that this mouth thing, this Five Nights as Freddy's m- madness of Flip just staring at the camera, clacking his teeth without blinking, is just haunting. Yeah, in tune with the music, and like it just reminds you that what you're seeing was for entertainment for people who like didn't know grew what entertainment up in the depression. was. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> like they read about it in a manual, but. They yeah, like anything that wasn't a war with Germany or stockbrokers flinging themselves out of windows was considered entertainment. <laughs> you know such detailed moments of that era and nothing <laughs> nothing substantive. <laughs> there were buildings, there was, I don't know, what do you want from me? <laughs> there was Hitler, there was stock market, I don't know. I know a lot about World War One. I, I know a lot about World War Two. That middle bit? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a dark time. The Weimar Republic time. (laughs) Okay. Cool. So we have uh, Spider-Man, Super Mario World, and Fiddlesticks. We sure do. Three shows that have never been compared directly. I mean, that's what you get with Cartoni Awards. (laughs) All right. Or, as I I call them, Family Guy Cut, Yoshi Voice, and Nightmare Mouth. Nightmare Mouth. Five Nights at (laughs) Fiddlesticks Mouth. (laughs) Yep. Um... I don't think Spider-Man because I, you know, I actually forgot about the Family Guy cuts. For me, it was the dialogue that killed that show more than anything. Um, I can see that. But also, like, you know, it wasn't that great on the on its other merits either. You know, the the side characters either didn't get enough time or were too weak in characterization to fill the amount of time they had. Uh, they kept on like plot rigging stuff so that spider-man was the most important person in the universe it was just a it was just a bit of a mess on all grounds and like the other two i could see myself watching again for a various reason Mm -hmm. uh not so much with spider-man so i'm gonna kick him to the curb as he should be 
And he'll be fine because, again, he has web powers. Yeah, and he's got, like, this whole estate. Drake is doing well for himself. Yeah. I, that's... Oh, yeah, that is that is Drake, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, next, okay, so now we have Yoshi voice and Fiddlesoup. Right. Right, though. Because I liked parts of Super Mario World. Um it wasn't great in general, but then Fiddlesticks was also, like, entertainment for a different era. So, like, neither of them are poisoning the the patch that much, but I think Yoshi is really just, like, unlistenable, and he shows up constantly. Yeah, it's, it's one of the driving features of that entire show. Now, yes, every time I close my eyes, I do see those horrible teeth. <laughs> yeah, but they're pretty insidious. But I can keep my eyes open. I can't do anything about my ears. Yoshi takes the... T- y- Yoshi gets the star. <laughs> yep. Yoshi gets 120 stars. And it's and it's a shame because I think Yoshi's a great character. Oh, yeah. Like, in general media. I like him in Mario Kart. Oh, I didn't... I was going to reference Mario Kart stuff in the intro. I keep getting the classic category, so I Bring hope you it. don't mind. It is time to go into best conspiracy theory. Been waiting on this, Zane. Been waiting Let's on this. Hear it. Uh, I have a couple of special mentions that I don't think crack the top three. Okay. Um, one of them is the uh, the Clone Wars, where the idea because we didn't see the actual Star Wars Clone Wars, we saw Star Wars the Clone Wars. Oh boy! Uh, but Ulysses seems pretty sure that Star Wars. Clone Wars was actually what happened in the Star Wars universe, while the Clone Wars is uh, shameless propaganda a la Bucky O'Hare. Yeah, like, basically, Gendy Tartakovsky is, you know, he was doing the uh, muckraking that really brought the Clone War problems <laughs> to light. And what the Clone Wars is, is classic Jedi Council yellow journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Pure and simple. Are there yellow lightsabers? I don't remember. There's alternative forms of expression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, site, the, site window. The other one that I decided... Citation needed. Window citation and, needed. <laughs> thanks to Ulysses to coming on. <laughs> yep, thanks so much. <laughs> and the other one that I didn't think quite matched the level was one that you had that I really didn't buy into, where in Arthur, DW is Arthur's handler, <laughs> and Arthur's in a simulation... <laughs> And she's training him for something. I didn't understand it, and I thought it was dumb, but I figured I'd mention it to make you happy. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I mean, like, uh, a lot of them I don't buy either. I just feel like I need to say something. Uh, so, on to the conspiracy theories. First off, um, Pops from Johnny Bravo is Johnny's dad. Pops conspiracy. Uh, Johnny has a lot of... Pops is uh, Johnny's dad conspiracy theory. Uh, the idea is Johnny demonstrates a lot of personality traits you'd expect from like classic, oh, you know, boy without a father is not going to learn responsibility. Yep. Um, his mom is overbearing. Uh, he is trying to be a cool guy, a cool man's man to be the man of the house. Um, clearly missing this father figure. And the only other father figure is Pops, who shares a resemblance to what you would expect Johnny might look like in his middle age. Mm -hmm. Um, His hair is gone. He's got the gut. He 
has an active interest in Johnny, gives him some tough love, sometimes exploitative in the way that you might expect from somebody who's just like, peace. Yeah, uh, especially especially Jari, given that uh, Pops is so manipulative to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's a classic conspiracy theory because it makes a lot of sense and it adds something to your watching of the show. Boy needed a father. Boy needs a father. Um... And we don't actually believe that. No, we don't. Give, needs to be, yeah. Absolutely not. And we definitely don't need <laughs> just, a father like Pops. Yeah. Toxic masculinity. Put him back yeah, in. Yeah, but he could have been the episode, He could have been an example there. Um, next up, we have in The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, we do. Captain Knuckles. The idea here is that he's a shit pirate. <laughs> and Flapjack is this is this wholesome boy who really wants to live a life of adventure. And Captain Knuckles is intentionally having a bad time to show Flapjack just how awful a life of adventure is. Just all the crap it leads to. I think to. this was also one of mine. It's possible. Yeah, we're, we're basically the idea is that the show is not he's he's not maybe maybe not intentionally doing it but like he definitely does well maybe intentionally i i don't know i'm not not phrasing it right but the idea is that he is trying to make sure flapjack does not turn out like him Mm -hmm. because because he has turned up he's he has grown up into a loser yeah he's awful and like the argument can also be made that the show is more about teaching captain knuckles not to be a dick as it is about like adventure, it it could be both. I mean, even in this seedy, drab, gross, Rogue nonsensical board. environment, he's a pariah. Yes, <laughs> like <laughs> in a world full of pariah, he pariah. He's the pariahist. Ooh. Um, also, his name is Captain Knuckles. Which Here I am, rubber than knuckles. It. We've been over this. We can go over it again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. And finally, uh, Beetlejuice. Um, Man. The idea is that, yeah, I know he keeps showing up. A lot of Beetlejuice. In the movie itself, he did some crimes, some afterlife crimes. <laughs> he done some crime. He somebody done a crime. Oh, man. Um, and so the animated series is a punishment. It's a show that runs in his actual neither-verse. Because the thing that he would hate the most is being rendered unscary and uh, impotent, either literally or metaphysically. Um, he's being tortured by this idea that he he's not scary. He doesn't matter anymore. Everyone's used to him, and they think he's just a big joke. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's got some legs. Cube Beetlejuice turning into a pair of legs. <laughs> and a sum, like, addition symbol. Yep, yep, there it is. Because it's that bad. <laughs> it's Because they couldn't leave anything. No better than that. Yeah. Guys, what if we left nothing on the tape? <laughs> <laughs> you know, stripping until you're naked is good, but what if we went down to the skeleton? Mm-hmm. Which actually Dance sounds, sounds kind of okay, actually. Like, in a different context, but... Yeah, we're, we're pro-skeleton here yeah, on the Yeah, we like Con skeletons. Uh, so, what are the three again? Pops is Johnny's dad. Yep. Uh, Captain Knuckles is trying to show Flapjack what a life of adventure really is, mm -hmm. and Beetlejuice is being tortured by being rendered impotent and unscary. Yeah. So, as you said in the Johnny Bravo episode, Pops' is Johnny's dad is almost too good? 
<laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> like it, it clearly all fits. Everything is perfect. Like it, it perfectly fits in a hole that the show's kind of larger story has. I would not deny that that was the case for a second for any reason. There's, there's nothing leading me to believe that that is not the case. But in that way, it sort of denies us the opportunity to, you know, galaxy brain to really find a good conspiracy theory. So yeah, put in a little effort that you, you need. If you don't have a uh, a cork board with some red string, does it even count? <laughs> yeah, if, if if Charlie Day is not yelling it at you, does it even conspiracy? Can can I sidebar for a second? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so I was giving a presentation uh, the other day about um, I did this thing called the three minute thesis, where you summarize oh, yeah. the subject of your research in three minutes. Yeah, it's a TED talk, and I and I did well, and they invited me to like present at a research workshop oh, to great. kind of tell people like this is how you communicate quickly yeah and so i was explaining my process showing you know how my original uh uh three minute thesis the my monologue that i planned was very much like here's this and then this and then this and it was very boring and stilted and educational and and not very good mm-hmm. and i scrapped it and went for something higher energy and maybe a little exaggeratory it, it fits you better And that's the thing. I had to be true to myself. But the way I explained it was I was comparing two monologues. I'm like, here is a bad monologue. And I showed the prologue from Romeo and Juliet where it's like, hey, here's the plot. Spoiler alert. They're going to die. The show's about two hours. I hope you like it. Like all that's in the text of the monologue. And it's just. Are you telling me that the good monologue And the good monologue, I just show a picture of the episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail Because for a it was in my head after talking to, to Jeff Ryan about it in Fiddlesticks. <laughs> and I was like, he, you can, he, first off, there's a ton of received information. His, his slideshow, as it is, you can see a bunch of papers. Clearly, he's done his research. He doesn't have to back up his claims because you can ask him about it later. He's got the red line so that you know it's a conspiracy theory, so it's going to be important. He's raising the stakes. And he's presenting things very logically. He's moving through things in his head. You can see exactly how he got there, and he makes it important to you as a stockholder in this company. And it's like, this is the best, one of the best monologues of recent times. <laughs> Wow, you I mean you sold me on it, Zane. <laughs> Man. So yeah, that's Can we have that's... that be our best conspiracy theory? Is Pepe Silvia? It's so special. It is. It is like what a beautiful that, scene. That is honorary. If if It's Always Sunny gets an animated series and they recreate that, that is our eternal winner. Yep. That wins is it all. Pepe Silvia. Okay. Uh so anyway, back to back to the thing. We got Beetlejuice is in some form of purgatory uh social uh, lydia is his caseworker <laughs> and he's because because he's been defanged for his sexual harassment lawsuit he has been turned into a joke and everyone treats him as such versus captain knuckles is showing flapjack the life that he led that led him nowhere and it, it, I, I like to think that he's not doing it intentionally. Like, he's not intentionally showing Flapjack the the errors of his ways. Because I don't think he knows them. But I think that through the course of the show, it is shown how destructive his behavior is going to be. And it's showing Flapjack, this is not the right way to behave. This is not the way that you, you have to grow up, is basically mm-hmm. the, the message there. Which I think is a very good message. 
And I think it's well articulated through the entirety of the story. But he does such a bad job that... Oh, I don't think he's doing it intent. I think he's doing it by example unintentionally. You wouldn't be able to do it intentionally. Intentional intentionality yeah. by Captain Knuckles means he has some element of maturity, and that cuts some inner monologue at all. Yeah, that 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 cuts the lesson in half, right? The yeah. basic fact that he has no maturity at all shows that Flapjack shows Flapjack that oh, I can't be a kid. Not forever. But but I but I think where it falls down a little bit is because uh, Flapjack doesn't take the bait. He doesn't learn it. <laughs> I think that that you know whether or not he learns it is is maybe not material to the to the conspiracy theory though. Oh yeah, I can see that. And I, I'm not even sold that he doesn't er, he doesn't learn it at all. Like he's second guessing Captain Knuckles far more than the other way around. Mm-hmm. So I I actually love that conspiracy theory quite a bit. I'm not sure. This is a tricky one. Is the Beetlejuice conspiracy... Because the Beatles... You know, I I think I actually like the Beetlejuice one a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if I have a particular reason I can point to. It just, like... It harmonizes with my conception of Beetlejuice a little bit better. You know, he... And the idea of him being turned into a joke of himself is something that's very satisfying. As, like, as a form of punishment that you could give to this person, it's, like, that's a good... That's a good dishonored moment, you know? Yeah, like it's a little, it's, it's very, it's, it's ironic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think And if, if there's something that all good conspiracy theories have, it's that underbelly of irony where, that, that motivates your thinking where you're like, because I want this to be true, it must be true. Yeah, and, and I feel that way about the Beetlejuice one. And, and with Flapjack, I'm less sure. So I think it goes to Beetlejuice. Wow. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll put some Harry Belafonte in. <laughs> great. <laughs> or um, just Jay Bao Bao if we really wanted and, it. And these are all great. Um, these are all great conspiracy theories, except, of course, for the one where Arthur is in a simulation. Because yeah. that makes <laughs> well, uh, you, you may- no goddamn sense. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't have to, like, you know, rub my nose in it or anything. I've learned my lesson. I have to rub something somewhere. <laughs> okay. Better your nose and it than any other combination. <laughs> <laughs> than my balls and this chair. <laughs> So, Zane, this is a honor tradition that we always go through. We love talking about shows, but what do we love talking about more than shows? Ourselves. You got it. And today, right now, we are talking about what is our best intro of the past year. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, Zane, this has been a good year for intros. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've despite some... the staggering number of them where we just kind of peter off and like, is that fine? That's fine. <laughs> Now, yeah, and, and, you know, despite that, I think that we've got some contenders not only for the best intro of the year, but the best intro we've ever done. We might Ooh. have something here that could unseat Batman Beyond itself. Yowza. So, let's get right into it. First, we got Cat Dog. Cat Dog. Cat Dog. Oh, no, our intro. Our intro. <laughs> Although that is a great intro, and hopefully we can hear it. Uh, so, Cat Dog, a little little behind the curtain. Before we actually did this intro, a couple days before, I was hanging out with Ulysses and and uh, eighty, uh, and we were basically just not really doing anything in particular. And all of a sudden, I my ears perk up, and I just say, oh, "I've got it." Year of the Cat Dog. <laughs> And then we did it. 
And we that, did Year of the Cat Dog. We shopped it so that it it sort of worked. And it didn't even take that much effort because after all of the stuff we've done with Fruits Basket and Jackie Chan Adventures and other Zodiac <laughs> stuff, we, we knew enough that we could just kind of go. Yeah, we, we didn't need to like... We didn't need to like set the stage at all. And I love the way we transition out of that intro where I put also a blue mouse and you're just like, ah, screw it. <laughs> yeah, that, We're that's not doing great. This. Yeah, I feel like that was a nice little like vignette. I like the idea of like trying to back interpret some astrology where it's like, <laughs> well, what if it meant this, but what also the opposite of this? <laughs> yeah, I think Lee Harvey Oswald acted with clones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. So, uh, yeah, and the second, so next best intro, Clone Wars. Now, we had Ulysses, <laughs> my, my longtime friend, on for this. Yeah, you remember it now. <laughs> we had my friend Ulysses on for this, and you and I were in, inducting people to become our Padawan. We very clearly see why it's a rule of two and not three, because Ulysses has <laughs> several different clones. The, the real... The, the workout the workoutaholic clone was maybe my favorite. <laughs> it's just like far too zealous and talks about working out. Well, you want me to do some push-ups right now? I'll do yeah, it. <laughs> I'll do it. Don't tell me I won't. Um, yeah, his, his contribution, especially for a first-timer in the podcast format, was real, real good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I, I, I pat myself on the back for looping the imperial march behind that yes I think that, and putting the sci-fi door noise in i think that that was good editing by me and i think we just a real good one it was also one of those where we petered out because you guys get deep into star wars lore that i don't understand and we're just <laughs> like we don't know what we're doing <laughs> okay uh, and i don't think I, you could guess this Gundam Wing. <laughs> Gundam. <laughs> Gundam. I maybe the best creation of my life like i i don't even know it did i tell you ahead of time what was gonna happen um i don't remember i think i just said we were gonna shop for a car or or try to buy a can you can you be like a timid family man looking to buy a gun yeah to protect his family and i come in as an andy daly character and try to sell you a gigantic robotic tank oh it's so good (laughs) yeah and that one mostly ad lib like I, i don't know if it's clear to uh, people listening, oh, how much of them clear. are? I, well, I mean, like I, I don't know. Like sometimes we workshop them a bit, and they still sound kind of weird and janky. This one, uh, I had almost nothing planned. I just kind of went for it. I think it's it is clear now by the fact that there were like times when you would like hesitate in the middle of a word, trying to remember <laughs> what the next part of the word was. I was channeling like, no need to Chip Gardner, Mayor of Hollywood. Load. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that you have latched onto that cadence. <laughs> it's it's really something. <laughs> uh, yeah. But these are these are all great, actually. Um, I I love our intros that we do. I think that one has know, like kind of that naked beauty to it. Cat dog has like kind of a respectable. Um, it is actually like really cohesive and well put together. And mm-hmm. then Clone Wars is just fun. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go on. No, that's great. Um, I. Oof. So cat dog I I think is like legitimately a good like in terms of like idea execution follow through is tight and like complete. 
I, I think you, that it's also nicely informed by the lore that we've built up of yes. me hating the fact that people talk about, like, hating Fruits Baskets. Hating the Zodiac. <laughs> that cat belongs in the Chinese Zodiac. And then I bring it up, and then you as the teacher, it's just like, and there's very good reasons that it's not there. <laughs> oh, and Gundam Wing had some uh, Zodiac stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, kind of, like, nominally. Yeah. It didn't go anywhere. Um, however, I think it was it was really good, but it wasn't that funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't make me laugh that much. So, like, I, I would point to it as like, oh, you know, we do sketches sometimes that are based on something from the show. Here's a perfect example of it. But it's not as it's not as funny. It doesn't make me chuckle. Right. Um, chuckle. <laughs> Here I am, Captain of Kachuckles. Um, so I think I'm going to look at the other two. Um, sure. I love intros where guests come in, and I think Ulysses was really fantastic. <laughs> it was so good because, like, the first time he was clearly like kind of like shell shocked, like a little bit, uh, you know, nervous on stage. But then we did the next rendition, and the second one came in, and he was so into it. I I love that. Um, <laughs> even though we were like clearly plotting against each other and like Sith lording it up. We also were just clearly both us. <laughs> like it was just yeah. Ben and Zane. And we're like, hey, new guy who hasn't been on podcast before, uh, can you do four characters? <laughs> <laughs> and he could. And he could. <laughs> As it turns out. Uh, I have to like dock at a point though. Y- you and I have different um, approaches to the editing of the intros. You are much more likely to include music. Um, and, uh, and I think you also tend to, which I think was a good choice there. And you also tend to enjoy the ones where we peter off and don't quite know what to do. Whereas for me, that's more of like a rare, like only when lightning strikes sort of situation. And I actually think that one might've been better, uh, without. It, it's possible. I think you also are trying to dock at a point because you very much want to give the gold star to the obvious winner here. I have no choice but to give the gold star to the obvious. <laughs> There's a reason we picked it for... I, I mean, honestly, it's 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 rough. It's a diamond in the rough is Gundam. Is, <laughs> Gundam is amazing. Because it's I'm not so flawless the way through. Um, <laughs> but I think the energy that you brought, our willingness to like piece all the parts together in a way that like sounds cohesive enough i guess enough um <laughs> barely enough i don't mean to toot my own horn immediately after disparaging your editing um okay. but i think that i um like my contribution as a character in that one like helped as well like i think good i sold dancer. that that as a good foil the supporter yeah the straight man but the the fact is even just hearing just you saying hey I'm going to have a character called Gun Dan. <laughs> just, I just start cracking up. It's just too good. <laughs> but yeah. I do, I do think it's closer than it could otherwise be. I think that I think the Star Wars one is truly amazing as well. I think, I think it's really great. And I do have more of a fondness for those ones where we peter off. And that one was a good one to peter off because that the was. Star Wars lore is crazy. <laughs> And we, like, honestly, anyone who hasn't, go listen to the Clone Wars episode, because it's, it's truly great. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have a real fan of Star Wars talking sugar about it the whole time, and me being very skeptical. <laughs> uh, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, Gundan is maybe my finest moment. Gundan is strong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. This one might take a little bit, but I think you'll agree it's worth it. It is time for a favorite who would win in a fight. Dun, 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 d
Now, uh, it's interesting this year, you know, normally we pick who's the most powerful, you know, mm-hmm. who, who's Batman. And this year I decided not to do the most obviously powerful, uh, you okay. know, so we're not going to have Anakin Skywalker, right? We're not going to have uh, Hanuman, the Monkey King <laughs> no, with wind powers. <laughs> what we're going to have are three characters who are still coming into their own in Ooh. terms of their powers. I like this. Generally, we just pick the strongest ones and have them fight. But the question is not who is the strongest. It is who would win in a fight. So I want to know. Who do you think would win in a fight between? And the way that we do this is we pair them up, and then if it's a full tie, they, we do a battle royale. Um, and I'm going to say that before we even get into it, that we normally say like, well, you know, who makes the first attack? But that ends up like kind of ruining things. Sometimes it, it like changes the balance so that the person who hangs behind tends to win. So sure. I'm going to say that they're all in a fight, ready to fight, willing to fight, just like a death battle. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's how I usually take it. So here are the three. First up, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yep. Spider-Man. The, the, the perennial, I'm coming into my, uh, what's happening to my super body. Drake hero. Josh uh, as Spider-Man <laughs> who can't stop making Family Guy cuts. Um, but he is still Spider-Man. He's a powerful version of Spider-Man who is backed up in this case by S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have his team here, but he might have his cool bike. Um, and He's delicious. Yeah, and he's he's extraordinary. You know the thing that you, that people love about Spider Man is he never gives up. You know he's 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 holding back the train. He's pulling together the cruise ship. I don't God, know if I mentioned it. Scene. I just watched Homecoming and the scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, 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 you don't talk anymore. <laughs> this is good. where you zip it. Um. So yeah, Spider Man with with standard spider powers plus maybe a cool extra gadget here and there. Cool. Next up, another character we've talked about before, Kid Muscle. Kid, 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 muscle has the power. Now, yes, he's silly, but he also has, like, a lot of just pure power. Um, and he, he knows a ton of cool wrestling moves. And yes, pro wrestling is fake, but in the context of Muscle Planet, no, it's real, and it's how they determine who's king. And, <laughs> and Kid Muscle is the heir to that throne, and he constantly proves that he is earning it. But he's also willing to think outside the box. He's willing to ref. He's willing to, like, try and arrange things so that he can win. Like, he's he's not as dumb as he always seems. He is kind of nuts. He's, he's definitely nuts. Um, and again, he won't have the help of his team. Um, of but, course. But, you know, maybe Meat will be yelling at him to, like, come on, kid, throw a hook. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, there's always going to be a moment in any fight where you're like, I could really use a walrus right now. I could really use a rice bowl right now. <laughs> I'm just like, they're not always not always available. Uh, and finally, we have She-Ra. She-Ra. Parentheses, no, He-Man in drag. He-Man in drag. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have... Uh, that was a good intro as well. We have Commander Adora, who has left the Fright Zone and joined the Resistance of Princesses. Mm-hmm. And she gains the sword of power, I think. I get confused uh, between... It's some sort of sword. But for the honor of, of Skull and uh, to fight for Etheria, she turns into She-Ra. She bulks up a little. She's got acrobatics. And she's got a sword that can cut through tanks pretty regularly. Yep, it's a she's, space sword. She's still coming into her own. You know, she still occasionally loses the sword. Sometimes, that, sometimes she has interpersonal conflicts. 
But on the whole, like if you take an army against her, she's going to win against that army. You, you have true. to you have to think to defeat her. Yeah, and, and notably, one of her biggest weaknesses is psychological warfare. Because mm-hmm. she has been brainwashed since birth, and she was raised by the Shadow Weaver. She's you, got you know. a kind of a dual personality at this point. Catra can get under her skin, yes. And we had only talked about it, uh, the show, after having seen one season, but there are more episodes now, and they're still good. Yeah. But yeah, she, hasn't, still good. she hasn't increased in terms of, like, power level that much since then, so, like, it's still... Yeah, it, it I, I think like these guys are still season. on roughly equal power levels. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that a third season is going to go, um, go a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, it got a little goofy. Yeah, it's a little goofy for my all, taste. All, all of these are a little goofy. You know, they're still kids. That's true. That's true. That's true. Okay, so Kid Muscle, Ultimate Spider-Man, She-Ra. I'm going to try my hardest. Not to just want Spider-Man to lose because I hate his character. Well, let's start off with Spider-Man then. Okay, <laughs> Spider-Man that's... versus uh, Kid Muscle then. Spider-Man versus Kid Muscle. Okay, so what we got here. Kid Muscle comes in and he's very powerful to begin with. However, so so like he, he's got wrestling in his blood, right? He can do the <laughs> Black Buster day one. I think that actually does him a bit of a disservice. His weakness is that he does not have experience. He didn't have to fight for that power, so he doesn't have respect for that power. Whereas, say what you will about Spider-Man being cocky, but he earned it. He's the veteran superhero in the group when he, you know, jumps on the scene. He's got his five-man Teen Titan band. He's the one who's actually been in the shit before. Mm-hmm. So he does have the experience kind uh, of kind of power to it. He's also got the range. You know, he's got them flip whips. Yeah, I, I don't know how Kid Muscle would deal with something that isn't in a wrestling ring. Um, well, you know, Kid Muscle, well, we've seen Spider-Man take on a Wrestleman before, you know, in the <laughs> Bone Saw. Yeah. Um, Kid Muscle, I think, by virtue of his ability to some somewhat sidestep reality, I think that he could, like, dance around the web shooters and get in close for at least one attack. Um, but I agree. I think he's going to have a hard time of it. I think so. He will have a hard time of it if Spider-Man chooses to fight. It is entirely possible that Spider-Man will stop fighting in favor of giving one-liners and Kid Muscle's just better at it. (laughs) Yeah. the, The dialogue is just of a higher tier. Yeah. So like if, if he tries to close for like a, what, what, what Kid Muscle can do and what I think he would do is I think that he would rope, he would do a rope-a-dope. He would rope Spider-Man, he would start by doing fighting stuff, he would get in a bad position, act wacky, and Spider-Man would go along for the kayfabe ride. Mm-hmm. He absolutely would. That's why he's there. He's there to pun. And as soon as he gives him the opportunity, that's when Kid and Muscle can close it out. But when he, when he closes it out, does Spider-Man tap out? Does he... Does Kid Muscle do enough to incapacitate Spider-Man, or does Spider-Man just keep pushing through? Because once he takes it seriously, I, th- I don't think Kid Muscle can stand up. I don't think he takes it seriously. Mm-hmm. I think this is like, you this know... This is a personality problem. It's a personality problem. Like, I, I think that I think that Kid Muscle actually has this one. Wild. Yeah, I, he just... Spider-Man is incapable of battling a serious enemy is is incapable of battling a seal a silly enemy Mm -hmm. a serious enemy because he kind of reflects whatever he's fighting to a degree 
You know, yeah, it, he does. If there's a if there's a serious threat, he will rise to the occasion. Yeah, it's the reason why he's able to like fight guys on the street as well as Thanos. Like he rises to the occasion, and if the occasion's not that risable, <laughs> no. If if it's a silly situation, he does not do much. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'll he, buy it. He'll 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 tap out fairly early, whereas Kid Muscle can do the can do both. Mm-hmm. He can do both at the same time, and that allows him to kind of capitalize on spider-man like and because because that is kid muscle's greatest strength is his wherewithal to kind of flip a situation so that he comes out on top like reality bend the fight such that it's a different thing than people thought it was mm-hmm. you know and like he has the strength and durability to get to that point and yeah i i just don't think that spider-man is is in a serious enough fight to use his kind of resiliency and rise to the occasion, kind of never say die spirit. Well, will he have that spirit against She-Ra? Good question. So let's see here. Spider-Man and She-Ra, both mentally very weak. However, they are both also physically pretty strong. Does She-Ra get Swift Wind? Um, only if Spider-Man gets his motorcycle. <laughs> he does have a fucking motorcycle. Let's say that they don't have this. Okay. So, Spider-Man, I don't... I think that he is well-versed enough with magic shit. You know, Marvel does this occasionally. I saw one episode where they were in some weird magician dream. Yeah, I Mysterio or something like that. He might get advice from uh, from Iron Fist, from Kid Fist. Um, so I, I think that the magic thing wouldn't throw him off too much. The sword might give him some trouble because the, it can cut through his webs. Oh, yeah. You know, so I think that his mobility is going to be a little hampered. I don't think that he'll be able to kind of swing swing around and, and get the... Just kind of ninja her. Yeah, well, I mean, if he can't swing around, then he's re- he's forced to resort to backflips. And, like, we see her do all sorts of flips as well. She's not really a, a bruiser so much as she's just very athletic. They're both equally acrobatic, yeah. And I, I think at that point, you know, can Spider-Man beat She-Ra in a head-to-head confrontation where he can't flip her, where he can't do his, his web-slinging abilities? And I'm not sure. I think that he would, like, figure out that the sword is the source of power and try and flip, flip it away. Um... And, you know, we've seen her lose the sword often enough where that's a concern to me. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that in general, She-Ra is stronger than this Spider-Man, this iteration of Spider-Man. Yeah. But I do think that she loses. I think that she loses to his his resilience. Well, I think even if she loses the sword briefly, like he he grabs it out of her hand and then he's like trying to interface with the magic or whatever, I think she can just tackle him. Well, the, and that, at that point, it's it's head to head. And I think I give Spider-Man the edge in the never say die kind of resiliency aspect. All right. Because it is such a one to like a heads up battle that counts for more. It didn't count for more with Kid Muscle. Okay. So that's so Spider-Man wins that one. One Kid Muscle, one Spider-Man. Let's have She-Ra versus Kid Muscle. That's a weird one. Yeah, because they're definitely getting up close with each other, but it's a very different up close. Yeah, and so Kid Muscle is not going to be phased by She-Ra. Like, he's handled gimmicks before. 
This like, is oh, just Sword Girl. Got just it. Just another gimmick. Yep. <laughs> a Valkyrie. I've punched those. Fright Zone, eh? Sounds like a sounds like near next door neighbors to the Muscle Planet, sounds which like is a me. planet I'm from. Sounds like my bathroom after Taco Night. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it's, we got a head to head confrontation between the two of them. I don't think that See the here's the thing. Shira is not gonna rise to his bait. Because yeah. she is... She, she has to she, deal with that shit every day with She Bo. literally <laughs> has no clue how to relax. And mm. Kid Muscle can't stop relaxing. <laughs> so I, I don't think that she is going to fight his fight. And if he can't fight in a pro wrestling fight, I think he's just a weaker person than she So again, we're forced into a, a direct confrontation. And she has... I think she has got it. I don't know about that. Just yeah? because, like, he's fought people with swords and claws before, and I don't think it's altogether that different of an approach. Um, you know, maybe he has sort of that chauvinist, like, I don't want to fight a girl kind of thing, but I, I think that he would give it, a, I think he'd give it a good run. I don't, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think that she is stronger. I think the question is, I, does... I, I do have a vision of him trying to do the, like, grab, jump up, and do the butt The butt bomb, buster? The butt buster, and her just being, like, pissed off. Like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Get off of me, and then stab. Yeah, I, I don't think that he... I don't think he makes it through that one alive. Okay, so now we are down to the battle royale. Yep. I, I, I swear I did not try to... In, I tr did not try to make that happen. But by virtue of the fact that I choose people of roughly equal power level like it's it, not it tends to happen sure. <laughs> so if they're all fighting together at the same time who wins uh, i think the big thing in this confrontation is who plays the other one's game right so as we've been talking about kid muscle he is 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 kind of roping spider-man into the into the kayfabe presentation and shira is not having it I okay. almost think that they would team up and beat She-Ra first. <laughs> yeah, because they could like they're goofing around, and Spider-Man would flip flip the uh, sword, and then Kid Muscle could get in close and do his nonsense. I, I just I'm wondering about it all. It all verges on what does Spider-Man do? I think I think he, you know, if he's fighting two people and one of them's joking around with him, I think that's the one he goes after second. But the the other thing is Spider-Man has that range. And so what is, he's going to take care of ranged problems first. He knows Shira's thing is the sword. I, I honestly think that it's simpler than that is in a in a in a battle royale situation. <laughs> who does Spider-Man focus on? And he focuses on the serious one, I think. I, I agree with the result. I think the question then is, you know, Kid Muscle beat Spider-Man in one to one. But now Spider-Man has taken the Sword of Strength, or the whatever it's called, <laughs> the Sword of Eternia. Like honestly, I don't. I don't think that. I don't <laughs> think that actually matters. <laughs> you don't think that he can like uh, dangle it above the guy's head and be like, "Oh no, it's the Sword of Damocles!" And then Kid must like, "Oh shit, what do I do? I can't move. That's rude." Yeah, like, but I mean, then we're in <laughs> then we're in Kid Muscle's territory. 
that's like true. that's where he shines. That's and, true. And Spider Man is just not as good at pro wrestling as Kid Muscle. And, and Spider Man would probably be like, I haven't seen a cleaver this big since uh, last Thanksgiving, and then cut to that, and then he just gets tackled. <laughs> Once we are in a pro wrestling ring, Kid Muscle wins, mm-hmm. and Spider Man can't help but jump in that ring. I, I think so. I think Kid Muscle wins because like that goofiness is actually a huge strength. It just it gives you a different method of thinking, and it's how he's gotten out of situations in his own show. Is that everybody else is more serious, and he is very willing to think outside the box. He's actually brilliant. <laughs> I, I think like the bigger feature of this entire conflict is that Spider-Man is just so shitty. Like, he, God, he just he doesn't not, get it. <laughs> he would not help himself but to jump into a pro wrestling match because he thought he was hot shit. He's done it before. We have evidence. We have evidence, yeah. And how many Marvel vs. Capcom games? There anyway. can always be one more. Always one more. Anyway. Okay. Cool. Let's go to most cohesive message. Let's get a little bit more serious. Sure. So, uh, for this, what I want is not necessarily a good message or a bad message, but one that the entire work sells. All right. First, we have Arthur. It's a wonderful kind of day. Learn to work and play. Get along with each other. Find me any given scene in this show that does not represent that. Anything with DW. She is chaos incarnate, the <laughs> devil personified. She is legion. Yeah, but um, think, think about that beautiful <laughs> mimetic moment where Arthur hits her, and it's like a tragedy. It's like it's like a very special episode kind of thing. And not only that, but we take time in between the wholesomeness to have real life wholesomeness mm-hmm. with real children. Yeah. It's yeah, just, absolutely. Just wholesome message, the show. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Cita Sings the Blues. Hmm. What we have here is this is, is showing us the fabric of an abusive relationship. It is building it up as a strong relationship. It is starting to find cracks in the facade. It is having both of them not acknowledge those cracks, and then it finally falls down around itself. And it's doing it between two different stories simultaneously. And, you know, there's there's different f- kinds of fun to be had in, like, the drunk history aspect of it. But <laughs> the parallel between those two stories and the way that all of the work that we choose to watch, the, all of the different bits of the Ramayana that we watch... That were selected, yeah. They they all show us kind of different, different versions of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we've got Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Apparently, okay. it's pronounced Nausicaa. The English translation got it wrong, and I have been rebuked for it. Really? Um, yep, Nausicaa. All right. Appar- it's also possible I'm still pronouncing it wrong, but there's only so much I can do. Scorpionist Nausicaa from Dark Souls 2. <laughs> yeah, I'm still probably not going to pronounce it right, just because I have poor memory. You're, you're used to the way it's spelled, so yeah, it makes sense. Anyway. No, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. The message here... Miyazaki says it's absolutely only for fun, not for pacifism, but that's what it's for. The message (laughs) is people with problems try to solve their problems through violence, even if there is an alter, even if that is in the same direction as their problems. Continually, the people in that movie say, I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to violent. Mm -hmm. And Nausicaa has to continually say, the correct thing to do here is nothing. Because, 
You know, like, if your only alternative is violence, that doesn't necessarily make it right. It's just hard to do nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, pacifism is, is sort of the central message. And even though there's some fucking prophecy in there, I think that it was still very well articulated. Yeah. Uh, shout out to G.I. Joe, which had the uh, cohesive message of we're good and they're bad because they're not us. I didn't say this during the episode. <laughs> But uh, in G.I. Joe, uh, I went and looked at real American heroes lines. The uh, the the apparently G.I. Joe also put out real American heroes models of actual American heroes as interpreted through G.I. Joe models. Ooh, including uh, Kennedy, because at one point his ship during like World War Two got sunk and he commanded all 12 of his men to swim four miles or no to swim for 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 four hours to an uninhabited island and he did so by dragging a wounded person by their vest with his teeth that that is badass (laughs) yep (laughs) anyway just wanted to get that little tidbit in there somewhere because i didn't get a chance to say it the other day all right let's look at these three um you know arthur is definitely a contender here like that message is so like that's PBS it's so Prime, and it's still going on. So like clearly they hit on something, and they're adapting it to newer children. You know, there's phones and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really powerful. It um, is, and the theme song just plays into it. Of course, Sita is tricky because you know you have these three intersecting types of art that are all sort of reinforcing the idea of like there was a happy relationship, there was a breakup. I'm moving on. It's more like a mosaic than anything else. And then there's that fourth bit. And it's tricky because that's my favorite bit where there's just people talking. Oh, well, it's 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 discussion. <laughs> like they specifically are discussing that exact theme for a lot of it is like now we don't really know what Rom was thinking at this point. It could have been that he was, you know, wondering whether or not she was faithful. I, I think that they do still touch on that theme. I don't think that it's entirely different so the trick about this one is that it's it's cohesive and the parts of cedar sings the blue that were cohesive weren't my favorite parts i think it was impressive i think Mm -hmm. it was like a really amazing artistic feat yeah and but like um i've actually i've actually gone back and watched cedar a couple times because like we we recommended it to some people we're like this is wild and cool Mm -hmm. and then upon repeated viewings it's like the the impressiveness of the fact that it all blends together is your first takeaway, but the actual artistry of it is kind of what sticks. Mm. Um, still, I don't want to discount it as as being very cohesive about the the greatest breakup story ever told. Yeah, I think I think that that is a well told theme. Najika is interesting because the idea of pacifism is almost perfectly cohesive but then you know the villagers have a violent rebellion where they steal some tanks mm-hmm. uh Najika does like a hug tackle on Thre- a plane threaten someone with a gun it's unclear whether she would have used it or not but it right. definitely happens i mean definitely the violence the violent people are the ones who get their comeuppance yeah um in most cases um and that does fit in with you know, Miyazaki's intention. Plus, you know, Seven Days of Fire is 
I got to give it a point just for that. I'm having a real, real trouble uh, determining which one is the most cohesive. Mm-hmm. I think, I think once the surprise wears off um, of Sita, that that we can take it apart because there it was trying to do so much it it almost bit off more than it could chew. Hmm. Um, plus, there's the whole like the fact that they're reincarnated. And like in the end, we see him rubbing her feet, and yeah, so like a little weird. it was more of just like I'm trying to prove to you that I'm too good for you, so I'll that you, you'll be I'll better. Give you than an me. out if you really want an out. Uh, let's remember that single tear that Rom sheds. Yeah, that I we think absolutely I was, don't need to see. I think I was talking myself out of out of Sita, but the other two are still really tricky. Yeah. <laughs> um, Arthur is really trying to teach us a lot of good pro-social things. So what, what would you say is the overall message of Arthur, if you could distill it? Uh, can I appeal it's to, to parents on Common Sense Media? That is the message. I, here at the Card Concast, <laughs> we love Common Sense Media. So both funny. so that it tells us, like, hey, who's actually watching this? But also, you know, will this offend my How children's good ears? This? Yeah. Uh, so what is the theme of Arthur? What would you say is the theme of Arthur? Because, like, wholesomeness is a vibe that I get from it, but it's not really a theme. It's not really a message. Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, I, I guess it could be multiple messages that all feed into that. Like, It's I mean, a the, feeling. It's, it's kind of the whole theme song is learn to work and play, get along with each other, listen to your heart, uh, believe in yourself. Everybody has an original point of view. Yeah, it's it's just all of the kids kind of it's it's just the greatest hits lists, hits list of uh, children's entertainment, really. I guess like diversity and togetherness in a community. But the trick community, is, I guess, would be the would be the theme there. The trick is in an episode, somebody is not going to live up to that. It's, and you, some, you have to have the conflict. Yeah. And something bad's going to happen and then they'll come back into the fold. In Nausicaa, it's very clearly like the people who try to live in harmony with nature and pacifism. Uh, not only does that help, but the people who believe in war or preemptive strikes get hosed again and again. Yeah. And I think that is a much clearer message. Uh, you know, you talk about Arthur and people talk about how wholesome and pro-social it is. But in terms of actionable things that are actually like like everyone agrees, yeah, you should be a good person. Nazca Nashka is showing you what that means when it's hard. Yes. That's so that I think is I'm true. gonna give it there. I, I think I think that makes sense. The specificity of that message really gives it a lot of it gives it a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Arthur is like a tide pulling you into its message, uh, then Nashka is uh, is like the lifeguard shoving you into the pool so that you can learn how to swim. <laughs> it's like yes. one point of contact that gives you exactly what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> what do we got, Zane? All right, this is my last category. Mm-hmm. The category is coolest ability. Okay. Now, again, we're not talking most powerful. We're just talking cool. Um, I had four, actually, but I'm going to discount one uh, based on the fact that we have um, talked about him so much, so I'm going to get rid of Beetlejuice's pun magic. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I don't think that's cool at all, so no big deal. All right, so coolest ability. We have talking to animals from the wild thornberries. Mm-hmm. 
So this one, uh, you can talk to animals. They more often than not have fun Jersey accents. You are not uh, supposed to talk about it, Zane. She will lose her powers. But if you talk, if you tell any humans about it, you will lose the ability. For so there's no you know, reason. But you can still do the Doolittle thing. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's really cool. And they all have something interesting to say and to teach you. Mm-hmm. From Gundam Wing, we have the Zero System. So this is, we didn't really watch it that much, but it's something that comes up where if you hack, if you combine yourself with the Gundam, basically you get a heightened reaction time and limited precognition, but you can hallucinate and go berserk if you aren't trained in it. Mm -hmm. So this is the idea that you can like, like even if you didn't have a Gundam, you could become uh, more physically fit and have like slight flashes of precognition so that you can predict the enemy, but you might become the enemy. Right. Which I think is good theming. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from Sea to Sings the Blue, reincarnation. Um, the gods are able to take on aspects of themselves in the quote-unquote real world in order to work through things as well as just have fun adventures. Um, and so... You know, scaling that down to human size, imagine if you could, like, put yourself into a simulation for an hour to try out some things and see where you go. Okay. Yeah. So, talking to animals, the zero system, and reincarnation. Some weird ones in here. They are weird. They're they're not your standard thing. Um, I think I know the answer right away. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Reincarnation is not that cool to me, Um, especially because it detracts from the message that we just talked about where this is about a woman learning how to get you get get, man girl you just got to get yourself out of that relationship it's too bad it's bad (laughs) for you and you know reincarnating back into the relationship kind of undercuts that so you know i i I don't really like that one that much um the talking animals thing i think is weirdly like it it informs her character in a cool way because she does not relate to regular people very well, but she also doesn't relate to animals that well either. So, <laughs> you know, it's I, I don't think that that adds as much as we would want it to have added. The, the thing that we really wanted from the show was the was the animals and Eliza all talking about the natural world, but it didn't happen that much. It was really most of the time the animals just happened to just were people that happened to be animals yeah like you're talking to birds and you're like what can you tell me about what it's like to be a bird and they're just like i want a screw yeah yeah that's <laughs> pretty close so i actually don't think this this is that uh that this is that close i think the zero system is actually far cooler than either one of those yeah it's very cool how would you use it in an empowered sense i don't think sense? i would use it it just uh I think that it I'm for for a coolest ability I'm not looking for the one that I would want I'm looking for what informs the most about the show the others mm-hmm. do not inform that much or actively detract from it whereas the zero system justifies this ridiculous gigantic robot combat in a in a fun way and it's the strongest thing about Gundam is that it has this intense lore that is very well established and fact checked Mhm yeah, and I mean the, the idea of the zero system working to give you heightened reaction time by your interactions with Minovsky particles, because you can't have long. The electronic communication is jammed, and so you it's so this much is a reverse jam if you think about it into the system. I what I really like is when a show recognizes how bullshit 
its combat is and justifies it through the use of... <laughs> so, like, I'm watching a show right now called, uh, I think, Demon Slayer. I talked about it yesterday with you. And it's, you know, standard shonen. I'm a kid with a sword fighting bad dudes. Um, but the way they justify it is to have the training montages and it's to kind of rely on a supernatural sense that is built up over time. They don't just kind of fudge things and, like, now I can jump real high. Yeah. It's it's all supported by the lore that's there, and the Zero system does exactly that. Cool. Yep. All right. There's our winner. Uh, are there other cool abilities that you saw this year? Let me let me think I mean, for a second. Uh, you know, Mario Fire Flower. Eh. Shoot, I mean, shoot like, fire from give it hands. a pass. I, I will, maybe the Force. But, I mean, that's that's really not specific to the show I mean, at the, all. The force is anything. <laughs> the force is whatever you want it to be, yeah. Let me let me check real quick. I'm, I'm curious. I don't think we had very good uh, powers in general. Abilities mm-hmm. in general. Maybe, maybe like, the cat-dog TARDIS. The cat-dog TARDIS? Yeah. Where, like, if you, you know, go into... The cat dog can go into himself to like get some privacy. Oh god, yeah, I don't want that. That's not cool. <laughs> um, how about she she draws transformation? I mean, transformations are always awesome. I think that's a particularly She-Ra... cool one, though. Like that 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 that's a good henshin transformation. Mm-hmm. Still not uh, as cool as the zero system, but I think it's it's, it's solid. I think it's close. Yeah. I think it's closer than 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 you think it is. Mm-hmm. But zero system is is pretty good. It's called the Zero System, and that makes me think of Mega Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. All right, Ben, what's our last uh, category before our, the finale? Uh, so I, I had a few different ones that I was I was mulling between. I think mm. what we're going to do is something that I like to call best musical integration. Okay. So this is something that has... Uh, Basically, I'm not looking for the best music. I'm asking which of these musical tracks gets us to the point or the core of the show the best. Hit points, if you be... Well, more or, music, or music the points. Sh- yeah, just like bl- the best blending. Yeah, the, wh- which of these uh, help the medium along the best? Which of these are best, most integrated into the show that we're watching? Okay. Uh, I actually have four of them. I hope sure. that's okay. Why I could not? not? I could not limit myself. We can do what we want. <laughs> the first is the Land Before Time theme. Oh, that's not even it. The one that I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about the the sad one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sad. We'll have to cut a bunch of them in here, but yeah, that that theme going along with like that bittersweet. We want to survive, but we've endured so much kind of thing that really leads it into the family togetherness community aspect that is the that is their group yes uh second fraggle rock and i just say all the original songs (laughs) because think about how many songs they had and how many of them were so good they they were they did a drum line they did like a a funk groove they do awesome jazz things they they do all sorts of different genres of music and yeah. all of them fit every morning every day every evening calling me away and it, they you know in the sort of shire you know hobbits love to party and dance and sing kind of sense 
this is what fraggles do and they're very very good at it yeah it fits the idea of this is a community of layabouts yep yep and all all the music sounds great (laughs) no complaints uh third we've got moomin and we're we've got snufkin's theme which is just this delightful little ditty that he plays on the harmonica when we see him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not a big moment. It doesn't really it doesn't really saturate the scene at all. But it is very indicative of his character as a carefree wanderer who's you know, who's extremely empath- empathetic to everybody in the village. Just a general good dude. Um, yeah, it, it it just pulls the character together in a nice way. And since mm-hmm. he's the best character, that did a lot for me. Yeah. And then finally, from Super Mario Brothers Super Show, Hooked on the Brothers. Hooked on the Brothers. <laughs> slash Mario rap, because I think they both inform the show in the same way. <laughs> yeah, you know what you're getting. Yeah, I was watching a Super Mario... Uh, I, I was watching a speedrun from uh, Awesome Games Done Quick, I think, recently. And one of them was doing a Mario uh, game, and they started talking about, does Mario even have a theme song? And he's like, yeah, it's just like the Mario theme. Well, unless, you know, you go with, swing your arms from side to side. <laughs> and I'm like, oh god, they got the Mario rap. Oh, that's great. But yeah, Hooked on the Brothers. It's like, you know, it's that 80s white guy rap from 40-year-olds who do not understand rap. And it's just so, <laughs> it's just so hokey, and I, it makes me love it. It's amazing. So those are your four. Land Before Time theme, Hooked on the Brothers, Fraggle Rock, all the songs, and Moomin, Snufkin's theme. Okay. Uh, to make this easier for myself, I'm going to remove Snufkin's theme. Um, sure. I, I love it. I think it tells us a lot about the character. But um, I think the others did more to inform the entire works. Yeah. Um, and I, you know. <laughs> The thing that gets me into wanting to watch more Moomins is the intro and outro. Yeah, the Ben Folds stuff, yeah. Um, uh, Fraggle Rock is just so good. Mm. I'm not you even know, talking you, about the main theme, which is no, amazing. Just every other theme, because like... Every morning, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's And it's like so consistently good. In and so many different genres of good. And they're always there. And, like, they're, you know, it's good for the kids, good for the adults. Um, just just puts you in a really good mood. I think the music, more than any other single aspect of that show, is what makes it comfort food. Yeah, yeah. Comfort food is a good way to put it. The Land Before Time one is sad and deep and introspective. And I I really love it. But I think compared to Fraggle Rock, I think Fraggle Rock does more to sell you. I Um, included that one purely because after 20 years since I had last watched it, I could I still remembered it so well. It hits you immediately. And it is it is very strong. Like I'm thinking about Um, it right now and I'm getting chills up my spine. Yeah. And, you know, the sad parts are the core and heart of that movie. But so much else of that movie was falling down a ravine and being chased by a dinosaur. <laughs> and those were decidedly sure. untranquil. That's true. Um, plus, like, the fact that there were sequels takes a lot out of the <laughs> melancholy, hey, we survived to live another day, well, but let's, oh, let's we know just it's deal not going it it That's not a fair, that's not a um, fair critique. What was the, what was the other one? 
Um, <laughs> the hooked on the brothers the slash the Mario. On the brothers, app. my God, Ben. <laughs> but do you disagree? I'll, no, I don't disagree. I think that. Um, I, I'm frankly two, surprised that I had to convince you how good it was. Two thirds of the show are just, you know, hey, we made a Mario Bros. cartoon and it works and it's fine. The Captain Lou Albano, <laughs> Danny Wells, Danny Wells hooked on the brothers and then swing your arms from side to side. Saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> is amazing and i think i love that it's not the intended message that they're no. sending <laughs> they they're trying not to, be cool. to be that sad <laughs> they're trying to be cool and they're not <laughs> yep um the fact that it's only a third of the show and that it wasn't the intention i think um I, if i'm trying to splice these away i really I know. am i know it's hard um they're they're all amazing and uh cohesive i think i have to give it to fraggle rock fair enough um yeah that, yeah, that blew me away when I started cataloging all the ways that Fraggle Rock, you know, gave us something in the music. I, there's like a nice, uh, the, oh god, I'm not even, I'm not gonna go back over it. It's, it's all great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plus, now we get to hear the Fraggle Rock themes. Fantastic. We're there, Zane. We're there. We are at the end of the line, and I think we've had a very good... Cartoni Awards. This was a very good... I think this was a great year for us, honestly. You know, we've done more with Empowered. We had more guests on. We went on more podcasts. We got the website thing figured out. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see us... To see where we go this next year. Yeah, me too. I, I think we're going to try to do even more. I think we're going to try to get on social media, maybe a Patreon. Uh, let us know, listener, if there's anything that you want to see from the Cartoncast in terms of what we deliver and how we deliver it. Because, you know, we don't know what we're doing. We're, we're guessing. We're doing what feels good. But if you have specific needs or wants from us, we want to know. Mm-hmm. So go to cartoncast.com. Send us an email at cartoncast.gmail.com. Or go to the Fancy Bat website and go to our new contact page where you can submit a message about any of the shows on the network right to us. You can also check out our Facebook page as well as go to uh, I, uh, go to Apple Podcasts to, to rate and review us so that we can uh, tell what you think about the show. And more than anything else, please just tell your friends about the show. Tell them about this episode if they want a good smattering of the kind of things that we talk about. And we hope you enjoy. Yeah, and like <laughs> listening to our talking about things doesn't ruin like if you didn't listen to the original episode and like we talked about it, there's no like spoilers. Like no, I mean, our, our nothing is going to be surprising. Doesn't work on that. Yeah, we we Maybe know conspiracy pretty quickly. Theory, but we 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 know pretty quickly going in what the show is going to be about, and it's all about the dissection that we really thrive. So yeah, there there's still great episodes even if you listen to this first. And it's time to talk about what we think the best episode was. All right, Zane, you have right of way. What is your right first, of way? What is your first uh, supposition? Uh, so first up, um, it's always fun to do these because I think, oh my God, well, obviously it's one of these. And then I remember Ben's going to think that I picked something wrong. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but I think that you Pretty will probably, start. I think you'll probably agree that this was an awesome episode. Uh, we've talked about it a lot so far. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Um, I actually Dan- just listened to it again yesterday when I went to go get groceries just to remind myself of it. Dan Caves is 
has been on our show all, so much that he is so used to and good at our flow now. It yeah. really is like having a third, you know, copy paste us. I could not agree more. Um, the wordplay in that uh, show, not even Beetlejuice's wordplay, just like getting into and out of and segueing from topics. We were just really on and really. Um, really good and our ability to switch between the movie and the show our analysis thereof the comparison like that felt like a very not just a really humorous episode but a really complete analysis of what this was how it fell down and how they could have done it better yeah i i i totally agree and i think that the intro is also very good and the intro is also very good um my first contender is a recent episode that we did which is the clone wars hmm uh, we had my friend Ulysses on for that. It, it, it is telling that most of the episodes that come up for our best episode have another person. Uh, we love having guests. And I got to try out my new mic, my uh, my audio splitter, so we could get our extremely janky uh, setup to accommodate two people at the same computer. I think that it actually worked fine. The intro was great, as we had discussed. I mm-hmm. put a lot of effort into the editing of that. I managed to get the cantina theme in there. It was great. <laughs> uh, we had a nice interlude. We, we talked about the disgusting Luke drinking milk scene, which is so immortal. We talked about <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. We talked about uh, Asajj Ventress and how cool Dooku is and how many lines on his face, the weird art style, all of it. Um, it was just a great episode, and it's so fun to have an episode where somebody is very passionate about a work, yeah. While not, you know, while not dismissing blind its to its flaws, yeah. And I love it when people ask to come on with a specific show in mind because they know, like, they know so much about it. It it makes it easier on us to not have to dig deep for all kinds of analysis. I mean, mm-hmm. there was plenty to talk about there, but yeah, just like. Being able to ask, like, so I had a question about this obscure part of the Star Wars universe. Can you fill me? And he's like, oh, I got to walk you through this. Or he's just, <laughs> <me start>. no. <laughs> Let me start at the beginning. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic episode. Um, for me, my second choice is uh, Ultimate Muscle. I, I was thinking Ultimate Muscle might have been one as well. Um, you know, I, I, I listen... When I'm putting together the um, clip show at the beginning of each of these, I have to listen through every single episode that we've done that year, usually starting in about March mm-hmm. of that year. Do you and listen to the, the entirety of them? Yes. Oh, wow. And when I'm, you know, we're, we're good. Feather and I, Zane's cap here, he does the clip show all on his own. I've never helped <laughs> with it, and I am sorry, but you do an amazing job. Um, and so, and, you know, I like listening to them, and that I try to avoid listening to them until that Mm. just for various reasons but um ultimate muscle i like was listening to again recently to remind myself of like okay i'm looking for best episode what's good and so i don't have the time to listen to the entire episode so instead i listen to a little bit and i skip ahead you know i I hit plus 30 seconds a few times on Mm. my on my podcast app and every single like thing that i jumped into when the sound restarted uh, we were laughing. We were laughing and joking. Um, we were just so on, so willing to play ball. Um, and I think not just pointing out great things in the show, 
but our analysis improved the show for me after the fact, which is a really like that's the sign of a good episode when it makes me enjoy the work that we watched more. Yeah, and that's how I felt about the Clone Wars ep- uh, episode as well. Same. The ultimate muscle is so cool because it got us to experience and like engage with the phenomenon of pro wrestling. And that is valuable in and of itself. Uh-huh. Like even if we don't talk about the show at all, just being familiar with pro wrestling is a beautiful thing. U- Ulysses and I have like some uh, have regular conversations about things that just improve the world or or things that just like are indicative of humanity at its best. <laughs> you know, like the things that are weirdly beautiful about the world. And, and, and pro ultimate wrestling muscle is one of those things. And Ultimate Muscle is one of those shows that, like, looks so generic, but is actually really amazing. And I think our episode is uh, about it is also, like, way beyond what you would expect from just a basic analysis of what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. agree. What's your second? My second one is uh, a movie. I think this is where oh. we, we tend to put uh, most of our effort. So I'm going to say that bootlegged Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Nausicaa. Nausicaa, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. You know, we, we dealt with Miyazaki before. He's informed a lot of what I think about anime, specifically anime movies. Nausicaa is, is a very complete movie with a very unique tone and message to it. And our analysis of it, you know, we did all the great things. We identified what was cool identified was was kind of fucking stupid and you know i had a lot uh i had a lot to say about um well kind of all of it really i think that one thing to point out is the incredibly inventive monsters of this the Mm -hmm. ohm looks amazing (laughs) ohms are great and and any show that really relies on political machinations being a plot point has got to do a lot of work to make me care not me, mm-hmm. but like a cartoon watcher to care. Yeah. And and it did that. And I think that our discussion on it was always pretty fun. Awesome. Also Shia LaBeouf. Um, Shia LaBeouf's great. <laughs> um, yeah, a uh, special mention of Clone High, um, which I thought was going to be one of yours. I think we were also really on and funny about that one, but I think part of it was just saying the things that happened in it. So that was less us and more of the show itself. Yeah, the show was amazing. We... we <laughs> I mean, we just kind of acknowledged it, which is valuable, but I think that, uh, I think that it's mostly, yeah, the, the, the show is just great. <laughs> it's a great All show. right. So, Nausicaa or... I would also uh, give a shout out to Fillmore. Yeah. Fillmore was also great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what one, what was your, uh, what were you two? Beetlejuice Beetlejuice and, and Ultimate Muscle. Okay. I'm, I'm biased because I actually do think both of those were... I think those were like my one and two. Yeah. And I, I won't tell you which one's my one and which one's my two so that you can pick your own. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that we do this, of course, is now that we've both given our top two, we strike down one of the other's top twos. <laughs> <laughs> and I I think that... Um, see, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Because I think... In terms of episodes, the Clone Wars was actually the better episode. It just wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as funny. It wasn't laughs per minute quality, but it was like just so engaging and interesting. And I learned so much and it was so much fun to talk to Ulysses about it. Yeah. Um, 
Nausicaa was a lot of fun as well. Um, but with those ones, there's so much plot to get through. And, you know, there, I loved your whole prophecy talk. <laughs> I um, loved it how too. much you hate that. Um, but I think. By the way, on our Fancy Bat website, we now have a hosts page where we list our likes and dislikes. And right there for me, my dislikes, prophecy. <laughs> but I think the measure of success on this is compared to my baseline wanting to watch the thing again. How much does listening to the episode make me want to watch it more? And I think Clone Wars uh, takes that one. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I I'm pretty torn because I I Ultimate Muscle is something that I listened to like four times in a row after it happened. So like I was so <laughs> into it. I was so into like the nonsense and everything we talked about. Um, but. I just listened to Beetlejuice yesterday, and like you said, like every part of it just clicked. It was just all popping. And there was so much good stuff there that after the ending, we had to like put in more good stuff from bullshit that we did before we started. <laughs> so yeah, I think I go Beetlejuice. Wow, yeah. I, I think Ultimate Muscle edges it out for me a little bit, but um, yeah, uh, Beetlejuice was a really fantastic listen. Yeah, they're both both great. So, yeah. And I feel bad because Dan Caves always seems to get on these. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason. <laughs> you know, that, that uh, is not incidental. So Clone Wars or Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. Again, and top two, both have a guest. Think about yeah, that. Both fantastic. We, we, well, if you would like to come on the Carton Cast. you want to come on the Carton Cast, no. <laughs> yeah, we've already done that. But yeah, honestly, if you do want to come on the Carton Cast, we now have a contact page for you to ask. So please do it. You know, both of these are great. I think... Um, intros of both are fantastic. They're both on the long side. I think I laughed more in Beetlejuice, but I think the analysis of Clone Wars might have been been better. And just because I have less familiarity with that work in general, that there was there's more for me to listen to upon re-listening. But I think I think I'm still pushing pretty hard for Beetlejuice on this one. Really? Yeah. What What's your sell on Clone Wars? Uh. I mean, we've already talked about why it's great. I, I almost feel the need to recuse myself, <laughs> given that, like, because I was I had Ulysses right there in the room with me, and I could see him breaking down with laughter every every so often. That's great. That's so good. <laughs> so, like, I mean, that, that definitely colored my enjoyment of it somewhat. But, you know, we also had a lot to say. Like, just talking about Star Wars and, and shooting the shit about it was so fun. Yeah, I think these are two different, two different, different kinds of. They're two different kinds of really solid. You know, like in our very first year, Hamtaro versus Corpse Bride. Like mm -hmm. we decided to split it there because they were both so good in such different ways. And I think I would be perfectly happy doing that this again this year again. That 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 that's what we do. Would you would you rather put Ultimate Muscle <laughs> above? That was weird. Would you rather put Ultimate Muscle above Beetlejuice? Do you think that one's better? Because I was kind of torn. A little bit. I mean, your selling of Beetlejuice was really good, but I think I prefer Ultimate Muscle a bit, and mm. I would probably put Ultimate Muscle above Clone Wars. But huh. yeah, it's really it's really hard. I was actually right until the word Beetlejuice escaped my mouth. I wasn't sure which one of them I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, these were very close. These were. This them. was such a tight race. They all um, go on that little Mario Kart pedestal. Hey everyone, it's Zane here from the future. Uh, ben and I were chatting about it after the recording, and we've decided to retcon it uh, because we think that Ultimate Muscle was actually the best episode. They're all fantastic. 
Uh, they really are super great. Uh, you heard us chatting all about it. But uh, Ultimate Muscle was just really great. One thing that we forgot to mention is we both knew where a conversation was going, and we just decided that we would just assume that a conversation would take place about, like, the nature of masks and metaphors and, like, struggling to define yourself and all that stuff. And then we referred back to that as if we had actually had the conversation, but we didn't. We just decided that we would have had it. That's just kind of the fun aspects of that episode that worked so well. So go back and listen to it. Uh, yeah, best episode, Ultimate Muscle, fight me. What were our other winners of this category? What, in the past? Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, well, Wizards? I don't remember if... It was Wizards, Wizards for Year 2. Okay. And then... Thundercats? It was Thundercats. Was it Thundercats? I think you're right. I definitely pushed for Thundercats. Yeah. And then I think B-Movie got it. Did it really? <laughs> I'd have to go back and listen. I can't believe us. Yeah, we're bad. <laughs> we're bad people. And the, and audience, the best thing is you don't have to choose because you can listen to listen all, to of, all them. of them. It turns out a podcast does not only have one episode at a time. It is oh, not like how would you even do that? Not like, it's not like live TV before the yeah. era of like VHS tapes. That would be awful. That would be bad. We'd um, have to record them on our yak backs. Yeah. So uh, if we are all set, it's time to uh, return this vehicle to uh, Gundam. I'm telling you, you just check your wallet, okay? Like <laughs> I, I don't trust him. I don't remember what vehicle we took, but I think my wallet turned into like my wallet's a transformer now. Okay. Well, you probably took that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but um, but Ben, we're gonna start strong in the new year. What are we doing next time? Zane, I forgot. Ben, next time we are celebrating not just another Cartoni Awards, but the fact oh, that we've been on for five years. Because right. we are gonna have not one, not two, but our three closest guests who have been on our podcast or we've been on theirs the most often, and we're just gonna sit back and shoot the shit and maybe have a quiz. And have a good time with Andrew Spahn, Dan Caves, and Nick Robes. That's right. Thank you. Yes, that should be a lot of fun. We have not done one of these before. but it I, I would like have included fun. more guests, but that is a hectic thing to do. It works for Empowered because those episodes are 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit more of a scheduling concern. Um, and I think that five people is going to be a great plenty. Listener, if you have um, things you want us to talk about or questions that you have about the podcast and how we do it or any other details about our personal lives that are not too personal, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> yep. Although my guess is by the time this comes out, we will have already done it. Oh, well. Um, uh, and then Zane, what are we doing after that? Then we're going to start strong. You and I remember that when we first started this podcast, you were like, why don't we talk about cartoons? And I said, okay, I'll try it, as long as our first episode is Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I don't remember that specific conversation, but I'm glad that you do. It's a specific conversation that we had in the past that I remember. Yep. And we tried that, we, had, we were trying to record... So what happened was I hollowed <laughs> out a can of beets. You know, I washed it real good. I put a string <laughs> through it, and then I gave you the other end of that string so we could communicate. Yeah, and, this was before the internet. Yeah, and so that string was uh, what we, uh, it was actually connected to our recording device. So we have the entire episode, but it's unlistenable. Because my voice doesn't come through, and also it was our first time trying this, so like, my conception of what we were supposed to do was gone, like, 
even if you listen to the first two episodes that we did put out, like, clearly we're missing a few things. <laughs> yeah, and, like, honestly, you know, we, yeah, we, we've, we've, we probably should have used a less expensive casualty of war for that particular first uh, foray because I love Ed and Ed, Ed, Ed and Eddie, and I, I, I feel bad that we had to put it on the, on the wayside for so long. But fate has a way of working out because um, I was put into contact with somebody who uh, really wants to talk about it and nice. really wants to talk. They really wanted to talk about animation in general, and I said, "Nah, too new." And they said, "What about Ed and Eddie? I've got this big, I got, I've got a bunch of conspiracy theories he's about got a him. Cork like that's board? that's what I like to hear. Yeah, he's got a classic <laughs> Pepe Sylvia corkboard. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a guest on and start another. Year strong with uh, Ed and Eddie, the lost episode remastered. I can't wait. This is this is going to be so much fun. Uh, I'm very <laughs> excited about it, and I get to watch Ed and Eddie again. Yeah, that definitely helps. I remember the bygone days of us sitting in the basement rewatching Ed and Eddie episodes as I tried the to capture their likeness in my episode. shitty drawing. Phase. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Zane, once again, I have to thank you. For putting up with me for so long about so much bullshit. Uh, The feeling is exactly as mutual, probably. (laughs) It's it's hard to tell. It's close. It's a double blind study. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I love doing this, and I'm glad that we can do this together and share this. Absolutely. Yeah, and and for everybody out there who is listening, I'd love that you are listening, too. When I was porting over my website, our website, I beg your pardon, uh, (laughs) I, I... I might not appear as anxious and nervous a person through podcasting as I am in real life. I had a legitimate freak out that people could not listen to us if they wanted to when the when the URLs were all fucked up. So, you know, that just kind of told me, oh, I actually care a lot about doing this podcast. It mm-hmm. is very important to me. And the thought of losing it was like losing a, a loved one. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I was so upset. Um, yeah. But yeah, it. it it teaches it taught me that like this is super important to me and i love doing it and i am mostly repeating myself now but now you have an anecdote so you believe it i made it all relatable there you go same i i i really enjoy doing this and i enjoy uh doing empowered and people should check that out and look forward to that annual coming up soon absolutely uh thanks again for listening everyone and uh until next year i got boxes full of pepe <laughs> ben, could Gun Dan maybe sell me some boxes full of Pepe? He could. Uh, he's tired now. Take a look at this. Jesus Christ. Charlie. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I've been dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Pepe Sylvia. This name keeps coming up over and over again. Every day, Pepe's mail is getting sent back to me. Pepe Sylvia. Pepe Sylvia. I look at the mail. Well, this whole box is Pepe Sylvia. So I say to myself, I gotta find this guy. I gotta go up to his office. I gotta put his mail in the guy's goddamn hands. Otherwise, he's never gonna get it. He's gonna keep coming back down here. So I go up to Pepe's office, and what do I find out, Mac? What do I find out? There is no Pepe Sylvia. The man does not exist, okay? So I decided, oh, shit, buddy. I got to dig a little deeper. There's no Pepe Sylvia. You got to be kidding me. I got boxes full of Pepe.